It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Was all about. I think it had a lot to do with the Russian money in their banks. Recorded um, live. But, um, um, that's just my view. Kind of interesting that uh, they were transferring all these billions of dollars to Cyprus, Estonia, and Latvia. Um, so. What's kind of interesting to me is they're moving billions of dollars around in a criminal way, and nobody's going to jail. No one's going to jail. If I were moving a couple of thousand dollars around in a criminal manner, all right, I might wind up doing a couple of years in the slammer. But here we have big-time bankers, and they can do it. They have billions of dollars, and nobody huh, – it's not a cause for anybody to go to jail. It's just a cause for them to pay a fat fine. Yep. Yep. No one ever goes do they to jail. Really want, do they really want this currency manipulation to end? Does government want it to be ended, this criminal activity, or do they just want a cut of the pie? You know? they want, they're, they're like the cops on the street that are taking bribes. You guys are making money robbing the, the TV store down the street here. Well, as cop, you've got to give me some money. I need a cut. That's kind of the way the government appears to be functioning in these matters. They're not jailing the people, at least not so far. But uh, they never they're getting that fine. They never tell us where the money goes yeah, and how, well, much, how much of it gets actually to the U.S. Department of Justice. Well, you know, seven, if any. $7.2 billion settlement, yeah, let's give them maybe one. <laughs> you know, hey, if they can lose billions of dollars, you know, out of the Department of Defense, the Defense Department can lose track of – well, I can't remember. Oh, Nine trillion dollars allegedly disappeared out of the Department of Defense. I can tell you, if anybody needs think more money for the military, find that money. I don't think. Don't you raise, raise taxes? Find that money, or tender your resignation, or perhaps get a dishonorable discharge. Nine trillion dollars, and nobody I don't think seems it was to care. Nine trillion now. No, that's what some people said. No. I mean, Who can that's say? half of that's half of our. No, I know what it is. No, so the number is fantastic. The number is fantastic. Well, it, I heard there. it on the internet. I heard it on the internet, well, You know everything so. on the internet. Is yeah, true. must be true. It must be true. <laughs> I mean, talking about trillionaires, Gates is going to be the world's first trillionaire, so they say. That really bothers me. <laughs> well, the, 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 what bothers me is these are the people that control the world, so, you know, with their money. And, you know, when you talk about Bill Gates and Zuckerberg and, you know, all these computerbergs, Michael Bloomberg. Soros. Soros. Carlos I mean, something's Slim, gotta Jeff stop. Bezos. Something's got to I mean, be stopped you know, because some people have – the truth of the matter is some people have more money than they can ever reasonably need or use in a way that's likely to do the world much good. This is dangerous. 
to allow, I mean, you need to raise taxes on the rich, in my opinion. I have no objection. I'm not, I'm not a liberal. I'm not, you know, I'm not on the leftist end of it. But there is something dangerous about people having billions of dollars. Trillions. Yeah, in, this, in this case, trillions. In Gates' cases, case, trillions. Um, it would be, it's a wonderful thing to sit back and say, well, you get the free enterprise system and you make all this money and you get to keep it and you get fabulously wealthy. And that's a wonderful thing, provided that you didn't make all your wealth or much of your wealth by bribing Congress and the Senate to pass laws that allow you to exploit the American people. Well, you're right. I don't so know you why you think money. that they have to pay them anymore. They're in the, they're in bed together. So, uh, you know, it's just, you know, a little tip, I guess, at the end, you know, but... A gratuity. A gratuity. <laughs> a gratuity for your congressman and your senator and perhaps your you president. Know, I mean, yeah, but they're in bed. I mean, so they really... But it's wrong. It's you know wrong. What? The whole political campaign contribution thing is wrong. It's surrendering this government to the, to the oligarchy, to the super-rich. Um... But what he does say it can't be it can't be allowed to continue. It is contra. It will ultimately spawn a shooting revolution in this country when enough people who don't have money to give to Congress are just ignored for so long they finally come out shooting. Well, that what he does say is he's not going to be leaving his fortune to his children. They do try to give away a lot of their money to various charities and so forth. Gates, he says uh, he's How not about he going gives it away right now? Why wait until you die? <laughs> yeah, but my, my What do you need? I mean, how much do you really need? You got a house, you got a car, whatever. Um, suppose you had to make do on just $100 billion. What he says is he will leave hardly any of his current $74 billion fortune to his children. So... Well, I they'll just have to learn to live on a billion. You tell him he can leave hardly any of his $74 billion fortune to me. See, I don't need a lot. I'm not greedy. Listen, you got $74 billion. How about $100 million? That's not much. That's not much. I mean, that's like a penny on the dollar or less than that maybe. I don't know. But how about $100 million for me, Bill? What about that? Hmm? And I promise to be every bit as wise and the way I spend the money as your kids will be when the day comes. We're about out of time, Melody. Um, you know, it's just another sign of how unbalanced this whole world is. And just irrational, irrational, irrational. And it flows, again, if I had to chase it down, I think it traces back. It's all crazy because we have a crazy monetary system. It has skewed our entire system of values in a way that's nutty. And it'll stay that way until we get back to a gold and silver based monetary system. We're out of time. I want to thank you all for listening. Melody and I will be back tomorrow on Financial Survival. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Todd, the producer. Bye-bye. I work all night. I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Pain Still, there never seems to be a single penny left for me.
The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Stand by. Licensed to carry gun instructors are excellent at getting you qualified for state licensing where licenses are required. However, when it comes to legal defense with a gun or any weapon, you may want to do your own research and discover your options. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on civil and criminal appeals, legal expenses, court costs, bail, time lost from work, and more. Up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Our members never come out of pocket for itemized benefits. We are not a reimbursement nor insurance service. Discover selfdefensefund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. Hello, I'm Gary Wilcox with Pet Floors of Houston. Specialize in luxury vinyl tile installations for your home or your office. We sell a high-performance floor that is perfect for anyone who has dogs or cats or is trying to get a floor that just looks beautiful without nearly the maintenance that other floors have. It's a heavy-duty commercial PVC product. It looks like wood or stone or tile. This is a floor choice that you find major retailers have in their stores or intimate cafe or even your fast food restaurants. The adhesive that we use is waterproof. The product is waterproof, and so therefore, you can use a bleach water solution to lean it right up and you're back to normal. It doesn't hold any odor, it's realistic, it's hygienic, it's affordable, and there's no click, click, click noise on it when you walk on this floor. It's just amazing. We've been in this house for about eight years, and we've had some hardwood floors down. And it was really one of those things where they were looking worn and need to be refinished, and we were really looking for an alternative. We found Gary with Pep Floors, and he came out and measured. The measurement process went very easily, and when it came to installation time, they came out here, did a fine job. The installers were great. The service has been great ever since. I love my new floors. They're great, extremely durable, and they just look beautiful. From a cleaning standpoint, from an overall care standpoint, you don't even have to think about what you're doing. It's, it's, there's no special care. It's, it's really nice. We actually have a mobile showroom, so I can come out to your home or office at a time that's convenient for you, and I can show you the samples that would look right in your home. I can even help you make decisions and coach you through this. It's not like I've done this one or two times, but I've done it many, many times. So give me a phone call, and I'm happy to come out there. I do estimates for you right there on the spot, and it's all free of charge. That's Pet Floors of Houston. PetFloors.com. Tejas Smoke Depot wishes you well. Locally owned and operated, we have all sorts of tobacco products. Come take advantage of our sale on vapor products up to 50% off. Thanks for listening to us on the Dot Green Show on AVRN, RER, Facebook, or YouTube. We are located at 1639 West Highway 290 in Fredericksburg. Like us on Facebook, Tejas Smoke Depot in Fredericksburg, Texas. As you know, this is the final stage in your examination. It's a rather informal test in which we try to get some line on your ability to think on your feet, your reaction to stress and pressure. 
Clear your desk. Get your number two pencil ready. If you are ready, the Inquisition is about to begin. Nobody the Spanish Inquisition. If you have questions, please refer them to the chat room and make them good. Go ahead. Make my day. One question, do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Live from Houston, Texas, a man who calls it like he sees it, without the normal political correctness he may have grown comfortable with. It's time for the Texas Perspective on current news and events. This show is not for the faint of heart or easily offended. Chances are you will learn something and along the way get to hear some great music from bands you may have missed. The doctor is in, and he will see you now. Well, I guess we better get on with it. And getting on with this, what we are going to do on the Doc Green Show, live from Houston. We are live every day, Monday through Friday. And today, without further ado, we're going to go to the newsmaker line and get uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick in here. Good afternoon. Hey, Doc. How are you? Well, better than I deserve, but not quite as good as I would like. Hey, let me, I have a question for you. Uh, I know you're the interviewer here, but you were on the Trump team early. What got you on the Trump team early? Well, I said from the beginning, even before he got in, I I said on the record on the Tommy's Garage TV show that if Donald Trump gets in this uh, race, he will win it. And the reason for that is because I've seen him as a change agent. Uh, To quote Grand Funk, a real upsetter. And... I thought he was what we needed. And I, I love Ted Cruz, and I gave Ted Cruz a lot of money. But aside from that, I really don't think Ted Cruz could achieve the things that Donald Trump is achieving. And I, I want to thank you for getting behind him uh, also fairly early on in the election and uh, and making sure that uh, Texas went for Trump. Well, you know, as, and as you know, I was, I was the Cruz chair during the campaign for Texas, and then when the race was over— and Trump, when I immediately reached out to them, and uh, he was very gracious and very open. Uh, you know, I'll just give you a, a quick snapshot of when I met him back in June. You know, he didn't know me, except at the first time he met me, he said, oh, I, you know, I, you did a great job for Cruz. I saw you on television, on Fox all the time, and, and glad to have you on the team. And he said, um, I said, well, we were going to meet. We had a meeting scheduled to talk about some issues, particularly the border issue and the fact that I'd gotten nearly 50 percent of the Hispanic vote. And he was kind of curious about that, or his team was. How did that happen, being strong on border security and still doing well with the Hispanic vote? And, and, uh, but the time ran out, and I was to introduce him at this uh, – it, it was a fundraiser and a speech. And he said, why don't you jump on the plane with me and fly back to Houston? So we got on the plane, and that was my first time. And I immediately – you know, because I'd never met him before, he was a good listener, which you hear now from more and more people. Uh, he was extremely kind, extremely gracious, and – uh, and I think growing every day into his, you know, to what he was learning about issues. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised at what he's doing. He's uh, like, you know, I, I like to fashion myself uh, the same way. And that is when you campaign, you make promises. And then when you get elected, you, you fulfill those promises to the very best of your ability. You fight and you disregard the, uh, any controversy or disregard any criticism you get by the liberal media and you move forward. Uh, or even some in your own party. So I'm not surprised what he's doing, and uh, he's, he is a change agent for sure. Well, another thing that he knows, as you well know, uh, a former media guy yourself, I've been with a radio show for over 10 years, 
the major mainstream, lamestream media is never going to be your friend. And Donald Trump knows right. that. Never. And he's not trying to right. make never. friends with them. He, he is yeah. going out there and he's saying what needs to be said. And you do the same thing, sir. Yeah, and particularly the print media. You know, if you, if you look at, at the print media in America, it's pretty much Anglo-liberal for the most part. And um, they, you know, in fact, if you look at polling, Doc, it's really interesting. Let's take school choice, for example. Uh, let's take the Texas Privacy Act. Let's take lowering property taxes. The vast majority of African-American Democrats or Hispanic Democrats, it, it, you know, support those issues. I mean, they, they support those issues. And uh, but it's the Anglo Democrats who are the liberals who don't support those issues, and then they have the media, uh, you know, again run by mostly Anglo liberals. You know, most of the electronic media, talk radio, obviously fair, um, I think, and obviously very conservative around our state and the country. And then uh, usually local television, the reporters, their their job are not to be fact finders. You know, they you know cover a story, and I've always found that fairly fair. But it's the MSNBCs, the CNNs, and the liberal print media that no matter what Donald Trump does, no matter what I do, no matter what any conservative does in office, it's never, no one's ever going to say, you know what, Trump really had a great idea. He had a good day. Or Dan Patrick, you know, fighting for our property taxes or for school choice or securing the border or keeping men out of ladies' room. Uh, they're never going to say that's a good idea. So <laughs> you just and – and I've tried to – share that, Doc, with, with elected officials. When I first got into office, it's already been 10 years back in 2007. You have to ignore them. You have to be bold. You have to keep moving forward. Be smart. Listen. Get better. Get your I'm sorry. Get your bill passed. Get your legislation. But you, you can't let them impact your decisions. Well, you have been very good at doing that. And of course, one of the reasons why I worked to help you get elected when you first ran yes, you did. Uh, for the yes, Senate did. Uh, was because of those ideals. And now we are here. We only meet every two years. So now we're here. We've got yeah. a great legislative session going. And the two big issues, I think, going for a lot of people are, are we going to build a border wall? And are we yeah. going to do something about our uh, ridiculous, if I could harken back to another day, lower our unfair uh, property taxes here in Texas? Right. Uh, the answer is yes. Now, obviously, on the border wall, that's a federal issue. Uh, but uh, I think you see him moving quickly. Uh, I saw his new uh, secretary say that they want to uh, have this completed in two years. Yes. And some people might say, well, how can you build that in two years? I went up to the Trump Hotel when it first opened in early October. I was invited to go to a, a dinner by, by Don Jr. Uh, mm -hmm. and Ted Cruz was there, and it was kind of bringing everyone together, which was really good. Uh, it, was, it was right after Ted had come out and supported him in the fall. And so we stayed at the Trump Hotel, and you know, it used to be the old post office, and I don't, I hadn't been to the old post office, but I'm told it was just an absolute disaster and a mess and just mm -hmm. awful. And they took that that old decrepit federal building and less than two years turned it into a sparkling hotel. And so the way Donald Trump thinks, because remember he's a builder and an entrepreneur, particularly a developer. He looks at a raw piece of land or he looks at an old building and he goes in there and says, okay, how long is it going to take me to turn this around? What's, what's the investment going to take and what's the return on investment? And, and unlike a politician, as a businessman, he knows that the faster he can turn it around, the faster he can start making money. So he's looking at that now for the American taxpayer. 
and I'm told I wasn't I wasn't with him this night, but when he was in the woodlands a couple of years ago to speak at a tea party up there, and I'm told when he walked into the clubhouse up there was a, I forget which golf course there, but several up there that the person who he was with, who was escorting him, driving him, a local person said when he walked in, he started pointing out, hey, look at that over there. That needs painting. Look at that over there. They need some more landscaping. Why is that over here? He has that eye for this needs to be big, bold, and brighter and better, and why aren't they fixing that? And so that's the way he thinks. So I think he actually is going to get the wall built. And one way or the other, I think there's a good chance Mexico, through you know, trade, through other areas, are going to pay for most of all of it. Well, they, there's no question they will pay for it. And as you well know, and I've pointed out on my show now for several years, that we've it cost us a fortune taking care of these legal aliens that come across here frequently with no jobs and some with no job prospects. And they come over here and they have their babies in our hospitals, and that gets paid for by the hospital or the taxpayers around the hospital. It cost us billions of dollars to do that. If we could stop illegal immigration, uh, Lieutenant Governor Patrick, that would really help Texas financially. Your thoughts? Well, this is, and you're right. Look, it's two levels. We can look. We're a compassionate nation. We always have been, and we still are. But we can't educate, medicate, and incarcerate the entire world who wants to come here. Most of the people that come here are trying to find a, for a better life, and if you and I were in some of their positions, we would be struggling for the same things. But that's not an excuse. We have to, and I believe Trump can be the president uh, as he settles in and the Democrats realize he's actually going to be effective and around for a while. I think he can be the president to pass legal immigration reform so we can be in control who comes here. But part and parcel of that, you have to have the wall and the border secured first. So you're keeping illegals out, and then you determine who comes in here. So you're right; it's a cost to our schools, it's a cost to our healthcare system, and and our taxpayers only have so much money, um, and we can only take care of so many people. And we do have to put Americans first at the same time, being compassionate to others who come here, but legally. The second thing, uh, and I used to give these stats, uh, Doc, when I was running for lieutenant governor, and then eventually others talked about it, you know, they and verified I was right. And I'll just give you this window from 2008 to 2012, and obviously it's been updated since then. But we arrested 147,000 people in Texas, 254 counties, uh, 147,000 people who were here illegally. We mm-hmm. charged them with 447,000 crimes. I've given the speech so much I remember Good the numbers pretty close, maybe off by a thousand or two. And of that were thousands of murders and thousands of rapes. And, and so while most of the people are coming here to live the American dream, doesn't give them an excuse to come here illegally. No excuse for that. But, but along with those are hardened criminals, drug cartel gang members, MS-13, go down the list, and just and, you know thugs. Um, and we can't have that. And the reason we need the wall, and I said this on Fox last week, I was asked by someone on Fox, well, why do we need the wall? And I said, it's simple. If we are going to deport all of these hardened criminals, which we must do, out of our jails, we have to keep paying for them. You know, if they're there for 20 years, we have to have the wall because we've seen time and time and time again when we arrest someone who's commits a murder, DWI, you know, a sexual assault, they've been deported many times. So we have to keep them out once we deport them. Hey, I've just got a couple of minutes left, but property taxes, real quick, you asked okay, me about that. Yes. Look, uh, Paul Bettencourt's carrying Senate Bill Two. That means it's my uh, not number two priority because Senate Bill One's the budget, which we must do. So. Senate Bill 2 is reducing property taxes. Senate Bill 3 is school choice. Senate Bill 4 is sanctuary cities. By the way, we're having a hearing today. Senator Joan Hoffman, the chair of trans- 
of the state affairs. We, I think we have like 300 witnesses to come in and oppose it. She will have a long day. She'll be very patient. But we're going to pass sanctuary cities, by the way, get it over to the House. It's an emergency item. Something I've been trying to pass for a long time. We're going to get it done this year as lieutenant governor. We have a little, little bit more clout than as a senator, but Indeed. we're going to get it done. And I'm um, sorry for that. That's my alarm talking. i got to move to the next meeting. <laughs> but um, sorry about that. I need a... Uh, uh, we'll get it turned off here in a second. But anyway, um, so uh, Paul is carrying our, our property taxes. As you know, I've been fighting for this since back in '03 when I was Indeed. on talk radio, you know, bringing buses up here to testify against it. That's it's what big, started it all. <laughs> started off because it's a big lift, Doc, when you have uh, the counties and the cities all against it, and the school districts. But people cannot afford to live in their homes if their property taxes through evaluations of appraisals go up seven, eight, nine percent a year. And we want to cut it to no more than population inflation, so it can't grow any more than four percent a year unless the people actually vote for more. They, right now, they have no vote. It can automatically go up eight percent uh, with no vote. We want to cut that down to four percent, slow that growth, and bring it in, in, in line with population inflation, which, by the way, is what our budget in the state reflects. In fact, we won't even grow at four percent this year because we don't have that money. We've got to get local governments to live on what people can afford, not what they want. Well, and, Valerie and Swanson is bringing a bill to abolish the property tax because uh, it's not only uh, immoral, it's a communist idea. Yeah. Well, you know, three ways, and i got to wrap up and get to my meeting, but there's only three ways government brings in money. It's either income tax, which we don't have and we're never going to have on Republican watch or my watch. Um, that's not even a thought. Um, or sales tax or property tax. I'm a person tax. who believes in more sales tax. Uh, and less property tax, and that's where we're trying to go. Hey, Doc, thank you, it's, uh, and, and thank you for the help many years ago. It's been a fast decade, and uh, and we'll uh, and we'll talk again. Well, thanks for being on the show today, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, and uh, we hope to get you again in another month or so. All right, sounds good, Doc. Take thank care. you. Bye. All right, guys, you got to hear it, uh, Senator Dan Patrick calling in on the newsmaker line, and as you can hear, he's got meetings stacked up. And they, they told me going into it, they didn't think they were going to get us much time, but uh, he did want to come on the show, and we're glad that he did. Uh, I'd be glad to entertain your comments about what he had to say. Uh, that being said, I got to uh, got to play you a little bit of music, and then I'm going to fix my audio problem on YouTube. So, guys, hang out. And, of course, yesterday, the problem we had yesterday was Comcast utterly failed. I was I paid for an upload speed of 20 megabytes per second. I was getting point zero. I was getting 0.61 for my upload speed. And so, uh, anyway, uh, I'm going to play you a little bit of this because actions absolutely do speak louder than words, my friends. And this is a blast from the past. And I'm going to fix the audio problem, and then we're going to be right back on the Doc Green Show. Action, action. 
That's what I really need to have happen. I just don't have all those people. We're working on it, though. We did have a production meeting this morning, decide how we could maybe improve a few of these things. Of course, ad revenue is the key. 
Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. Action does speak louder than words. Speaking of action, we're going to get to some action. Just got done talking with the lieutenant governor, and uh, here's a little action for you. Bill Clinton. The president was scheduled to begin his speech 13 minutes ago, 13 minutes late coming into the chamber. Uh, what happens now? That was Bill Clinton. They have downtime. <laughs> He's always like yeah. that. Last year he was 15 minutes late, so it's getting a little longer, huh? But is there anything now between now and when the president nope. comes in? The next thing that ought to occur is the arrival of the president. There's nothing else left in terms of the ceremony. They don't have that problem with Donald Trump. Have you noticed that? We'll watch until the president comes in. Let's see if I can get that reloaded because I thought I had it queued up exactly on it. Apparently not. So let's try it. Here we are. Maybe. Americans, not only in the states most heavily affected, but in every place in this country, are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. The jobs they hold might otherwise be held by citizens or legal immigrants. The public service they use impose burdens on our taxpayers. That's why our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting twice as many criminal aliens as ever before, by cracking down on illegal hiring, by barring welfare benefits to illegal aliens. In the budget I will present to you, we will try to do more to speed the deportation of illegal aliens who are arrested for crimes, to better identify illegal aliens in the workplace as recommended by the commission headed by former Congresswoman Barbara Jordan. We are a nation of immigrants, but we are also a nation of laws. It is wrong and ultimately self-defeating for a nation of immigrants to permit the kind of abuse of our immigration laws we have seen in recent years, and we must do more to stop it. Indeed, nothing has changed. After all of these years, we still haven't done anything to stop the problem that we have with illegal immigration. It's absolutely insane that we're still putting up with this. And, of course, you just got to hear uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. He is as excited about building this wall as I am. And uh, I'm really glad the Lieutenant Governor came on the show today to talk about that. We've got to stop this illegal immigration. It is killing us. What I didn't get to was send, uh, with Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick was the fact that there's a school right here in Houston. And some of the parents were a little late getting down there to get their children registered, but they'd gone to that school for years. They weren't worried about it. Well, when they got down there to that school, what they found was that the illegal aliens had taken all of the available seats in their school, that these people in a very wealthy neighborhood of Houston had been used to sending their children to. And so, consequently, they couldn't get their children into their own local neighborhood schools because those seats had been usurped by illegal aliens, people who came here to steal what Americans have worked so hard to build. They came here because their leadership and their countries lacked the ability, the, the understanding, the intelligence on how to build something real that works. 
So Mexico is a sewer, and it's a sewer because they designed it that way. They wanted it to be that way. Don't forget, back in the 50s, when Mexico said, we're not going to have any more of this religious broadcasting on our networks. We don't want to hear that Bible-toting crap down here. So uh, they forced it off the network, and that began the decline of Mexico. They got rid of all religious broadcasting. They created a secular hell. And now who runs Mexico? Well, the cartels. And the president of Mexico, in this case Nieto, serves at the pleasure of the cartel bosses. That's probably the only thing the cartel bosses agree on is who the president should be and whether or not he should be allowed to do what, do what he uh, wanted to do. But the bosses make all those, those decisions. Nieto does not make those decisions. So that's what they've got down there, a secular hell in Mexico. And I personally... I recommend that no one go to Mexico. I don't think it's safe. Now, I've got some friends down there right now. I hope they make it out alive. I truly do. But the cartels are down there robbing and killing. They're kidnapping Americans, demanding huge ransoms. And there's no one to stop them. No one can stop them. Don't forget, we had an American killed on, uh, I think it's called Falcon Lake, right down there on the border. And he was killed there in a no-man's land where even the Texas Rangers feared to tread. He was just out there skiing on a lake when the cartels decided he was getting a little too close to their territory, so they killed him. We don't even own Texas anymore if we don't stop this. But building the wall is the key. And I know Culberson said, ah, it's against the law for us to build the wall. Well, trust me, we are going to get that wall built. I am very much looking forward to it. Um, if I'm going to hit this break, and we're going to be right back with a lot more for you on the Doc Green Show. and you are really concerned about your legal jeopardy and the resulting media coverage, was deadly force justified? In your town, the politics of self-defense is not favorable, but at least you're alive and your family is protected. Fortunately, you have Self-Defense Fund, a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney cost per member. Discover selfdefensefund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. Here's an important message from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. 
These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. Tejas Smoke Depot wishes you well. Locally owned and operated, we have all sorts of tobacco products. Come take advantage of our sale on vapor products up to 50% off. Thanks for listening to us on the Dot Green Show on ABRN, RER, Facebook, or YouTube. We are located at 1639 West Highway 290 in Fredericksburg. Like us on Facebook, Tejas Smoke Depot in Fredericksburg, Texas. Maintaining your home air conditioner is just as important as maintenance on your car. You don't know the big difference there's going to be until you've had the work done. I thought my system was working fine, but now it's better than ever. Galen Beatty did it for me, and he'll do it for you. Good servicing will not only keep your system performing well during the sweltering summers here in Houston, but it will save you money year after year. In my case, it cut my AC power consumption by 20%. Do what I did. Have Galen Beatty set up regular AC maintenance to cut your energy bill and prevent system failure at the worst time. And what's better than being comfortable and saving money? Whether you need a basic tune-up or it's time to put in a new super-efficient system, you should call BDAC, 281-222-9591. That's 281-222-9591 to schedule an AC system tune-up. BDAC and Heat. That's B-E-E-A-C and Heat.com. BDAC and Heat.com. TV and radio are great mediums for mass instruction, but for those times when you just want to hold something in your hands, there is the damn good times. I still love the newspaper, but I'm tired of the liberal bias. That's why I reach for the damn good times. Always full of interesting stories and great information, and you can have it delivered to your doorstep by calling 281-332-5710 or sending an email to news at thedamngoodtimes.com. Just $50 a year will get a full subscription. It's a great gift for all the patriots you know. Do it now. The doctor is in. You know, I got a call uh, from one of the listeners the other day, and he wanted to know, he said, how do you sign up for that selfdefensefund.com thing? And I, I explained it to him. He said, it's really easy. You just go to selfdefensefund.com. You fill out all of the stuff. And he had a question on there. He said, well, it says here that if you're found guilty of a crime, they don't cover you. Well, yeah, that's true. And the the reason that that is in there is because if you are out there robbing a store and you get caught and you're found guilty of robbery, well, they're not going to defend you because you're a criminal. And the whole idea of becoming a member of SouthDefenseFund.com is we are a group of law-abiding individuals that just understand that there are people that are not friendly to us. And because we understand it, there are people that are not friendly to us, we have selfdefensefund.com. If we have to go to court on any kind of a self-defense issue, they will be there. So anyway, he signed up for it, and I'm encouraging you to do the same. Selfdefensefund.com, look for the promo code, put in promo code DOC, and sign up for selfdefensefund.com. Here's the thing, guys. It's going to cost you about 17 bucks a month for you and your wife. Or your wife and you, depending on which one of you is listening today. And by the way, we are now live on YouTube. I fixed the audio. 
And uh, there's Brenda. Brenda's in there. Brenda, you should be able to hear something now, I hope. Uh, we are still having some problems with Comcast. Comcast, I called them today and said, hey, you know, you're not giving me what I'm paying for. And they assured me they'd have it cleared up by 3 o'clock today, right after the show. So we'll see if they follow through on their promise. But anyway, that's uh, that's why we're having issues over there. But uh, Brenda is the only one I see in the chat room right now. And if you, But if you want to go there and check it out, uh, then please do. But I see it is buffering. Well, that just sucks. Uh, Comcast is failing. Speaking of failing, and speaking of selfdefensefund.com, last night I went to a restaurant called Lupe Tortillas. Lupe Tortilla. He's pretty good. That's their, uh, that's their byline. And Lupe Tortilla Mexican restaurants, there, there are several of those around uh, in Houston and other parts of Texas. But uh, I walked in last night. Why do we snack? Because we have nothing better to do. Well, people who snack on almonds have something better. So last night I walked into Lupe Tortillas, and they decided to uh, throw me out. Why? Well, because I had on my weapon, as as is my want. And the Lord Jesus Christ said that I should sell my coat and get a gun. Well, I did. And so I don't understand what the problem is, but apparently it's a problem for them. So Lupe Tortillas threw me out. L-U-P-E, Tortilla. Lupe Tortilla, Mexican restaurants. LupeTortilla.com. They got a great website. But the problem is they're un-American. The problem is they don't love the Lord Jesus Christ. The problem is they don't care if some thug comes in there with his gun because, well, we all know thugs are going to come in with guns, and thugs don't read the law. They don't care about the law. They don't, they don't care that their signs were too small to be legal. The print was too small, and, of course, that's why I didn't see them going in. So uh, I went in there, and next thing I know, you know, my wife's there. We're, we've already ordered dinner. The next thing I know, they're throwing me out. So they did throw me out. Now, if you want to contact Lupe Tortilla... They've got a contact page at lupetortilla.com. Contacts, and that's where you can make your comments. Comments at lupetortilla.com. Comments at lupetortilla.com. And just call them up and say, hey, what, what's the deal? You know, you're, you're throwing out a great American veteran like, like Doc Green just because he walks in with his pistol, didn't see your pusillanimous little sign that you didn't have properly legally posted where it could easily be seen. So uh, anyway, I'm encouraging all of my fellow gun owners and and all of my brethren that appreciate those of us that have taken the oath to defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, those of us who have taken the required training by Texas law and then have gone on and spent thousands of dollars of our own money getting further firearms training to make sure that we are able to deal with whatever may happen— Tell them you don't think that it's safe to keep guys like us out of the restaurant because we're the guys that might stop the robbery. We're the guys that might prevent all of their employees from being herded into the freezer and killed. So uh, anyway, I'm not going to go back to Lupe Tortillas, and of course I encourage you also to avoid Lupe Tortilla if you can and uh, not go there. But if you want to send comments at LupeTortilla.com, feel free to do so. 
but I will not be attending there. So what we did is we went across the street uh, to the uh, Panda restaurant and ate Chinese food. And they do have really good orange chicken over there. So it was okay with me. Glad to do it. Getting on to border issues. Guy named uh, Robert Cameron. Robert Cameron lives on the Texas-Mexico border, kind of like our buddy Rusty does. And Robert Cameron says, look, you know, there's nothing down here to really stop these illegal aliens from coming in. He said, I voted for Trump, and I support his border wall proposal, but construction here, he said, it's going to be kind of tricky. He said, how do you build a wall that's impenetrable and still allow farmers and property owners to access their land? Good question. Frank jumped in here, said, maybe post to their site and let everyone know it's a gun-free zone. Murderers welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Lupe Tortilla. Well, I'm encouraging all of my listeners to let Lupe Tortilla know that there are lots of other restaurants where they can go. Since they do not want law-abiding, licensed, trained people with firearms in their stores, uh, then you'll go somewhere else. And I tip really good, too. I never tip less than 20%. Frequently, I tip 25%. Even if the service is bad, if the service is really bad, I'll usually have a little sit-down with the waiter or the waitress and let them know that, and then I'll still tip them 20 25%. So it's just the way I do it. I know these guys live on tips. I know they don't make a lot of money. But last night, a waiter lost a lot of money. Because he would have made at least a $12 tip on me last night. And they lost the price of my meal, too. Because when I got there, the food had not yet been served. So there was no point in me even hanging around. I mean, you know, we'd ordered 20 minutes earlier. They were a little slow, too, Lupe Tortillas. So we just went to the Chinese restaurant and ate. Cameron, Robert Cameron runs a company called Texas Border, Cure, Border Tours, and they cater to outdoor enthusiasts. They're down in the Progresso Lakes area, about 40 miles west of Brownsville, very close to where Rusty lives. And he pointed to the Border Patrol cameras and the observation towers. See, this is part of the problem. Those observation towers should have somebody up there with a 50 caliber Barrett fully automatic machine gun with an infrared scope. And they should just, we should just put out the word and say, look, if you come in here illegally, you try to cross this border here, we're going to kill you. Now, if you want to cross the border into the United States, we have highways and bridges and places where you can go and you can cross into the United States and you can just get a day pass. I mean, you don't even really need a passport to do it. You can just get a day pass, come on in here and do whatever you're going to do and then go back home that night. If you're coming across the border illegally, you're a criminal. Robert Cameron said he's filmed smugglers who waded through the shallows carrying bundles of drugs on the U.S. side. He's seen migrants that are running past homes, that trample down fences, spook his horses. One time they mobbed his sister's car because they thought it was a smuggling vehicle, and they thought that was their ride into Texas. And I know how that is because there's a place here down in Houston, down around Highway 69, that's the new name for it, Highway 69, and you know why they call it that. Um, down around Highway 69 and uh, West, West Side Parkway. And 
I pulled up down there to make a couple of phone calls. I'm driving my white uh, my white van. Next thing I know, I got guys pounding on the side of the van, pounding on the side of the van. I'm just trying to make a phone call. But these illegal aliens want me to take them and, and give them a job. So I moved about a half a block down the street to get away from them. And the next thing I know, I got some chick pounding on my window offering her uh, special services. Yeah, that's how bad it is here in Houston. Illegal immigration. So we know how his sister felt. Nearly half of the illegal aliens that are caught on the southern border last year, 187,000, were captured in the Rio Grande Valley, and one-third of the cocaine recovered was also recovered in the Rio Grande Valley. About a third of the entire border is fenced, nearly 700 miles, but there are 1,241 miles of Texas border. Only 17% of the entire entire uh, American-Mexico uh, border has fencing, about 55 miles. Much of that fence was built uh, during Barack Obama's presidency as part of the Secure Fence Act, which was passed in 2006 before Barack and St. Obama took office in 2008. But environmental groups successfully, well, they they unsuccessfully sued to block that much fence being built, but nonetheless, it did get built. Don't keep in mind all those environmentalists, none of them live there, none of them care. Um, It's easy for them to go up and do the stuff they do because it doesn't affect them. Meanwhile, the fencing had to meet the requirements of a 1970 treaty administered by the International Boundary and Water Commission, which is a joint U.S.-Mexico agency, that requires structures built along the Rio Grande not to disrupt the flow of the river. The result? Well, some of the U.S. property lies south of the fence, but still north of the Rio Grande. Well, that's not a problem, right? Because it's still north of the Rio Grande. Many of the locals opposed fencing because it splits their land, and they fear it's going to affect their water supply and wildlife. Trust me, there's plenty of wildlife coming across the border, and even if we put up this fence, there probably still will be some. East of Brownsville, where the valley meets the Gulf of Mexico, the federal government seized land back in 2009 to erect a stretch of fence on the Eloisa Tamez ancestral home, which was a Spanish land grant back in 1767. So they used eminent domain to seize a stretch of area in there so they could build a fence. Now, Eloisa Thomas, who's 81, is a nursing professor at the University of Texas in Rio Grande Valley. She filed a lawsuit to stop that fence from being built because being a member of UTEP, she is a freaking liberal with uh, sympathies with the Mexican government. The government ultimately used eminent domain to seize part of her property and gave her $56,000 in return. She was given a code that would open the one gate in the fence, but she said, I was denied access to the southern part of my land. Well, if she had a code to open the fence, I guess she wasn't denied access, really. She said... She does want the area secure, but she complained that she had no input before the fence was built and calls it a monstrosity. Ms. Tamas noted that the fence did not extend to 
to the wealthy nearby businesses and or development. She is worried about what the federal government would do to her next and her other middle-class homeowners when they construct this new wall. There's just not a lot of trust there, she said. Well, all right, everybody to trust the government, raise your hand. I don't see any hands. Pamela Taylor, 88, another longtime Brownsville resident, lives near a gap in the fence, said, I voted for Trump. But she also built a sign at the end of her street that says, we're part of America. We need representation and and, uh, protection, not a fence. Well, they're not going to get either of those, most likely. I don't know who her state rep is down there, but sadly, a lot of these people are just not represented at all. Because if anybody cared about it, we'd have built this fence 50 years ago. We'd have built it back in the days of Black Jack Pershing when he was chasing Pancho Villa. Which, by the way, that was during the Woodrow Wilson administration, and we did seal the border. Anyway, standing in the sign last week, Ms. Taylor waved to the passing Border Patrol agent. She said she and her neighbors live on the south side of the fence, and while there's a gap to accommodate a two-lane road, they somewhat cut off. From, they are somewhat cut off from the rest of the area. She worries that a new wall is going to isolate her even more, and that there won't be enough agents to patrol the wall. Said, I think you need to hire more Border Patrol. Well, Ms. Taylor and I are in complete agreement on that. But guess what? Donald Trump's already already called for 5,000 more agents. Is that enough? Maybe not. That's why the governor of Texas, Governor Greg Abbott, should put the entire Texas State Guard down there on the border, which there's some somewhere, I hear differing numbers, between fifteen and 25,000 members of that. They need to be down there. They need to be armed. They need to have orders to shoot, to kill. Anyway, it's not clear where the new stretches of the border wall are going to be built just yet. Finding space may be a challenge in the Rio Grande Valley because the river winds alongside of homes, wildlife refuges, and parks, keeping in mind that the federal government has no authorization to own a wildlife refuge. And all wildlife refuges, like the Garden of the Gods in Colorado, should be privately owned. Ansel Duis. Ansel Duis Park in the town south of Michigan has become a popular spot for illegal aliens to cross because there's no border fence in that park. So consequently, these guys come through the park and leave all kinds of trash and garbage in their wake, making it totally unsafe for the local citizens. Last week, according to this story, and this story, uh, by the way, is five days old, According to last week, the constable, deputies, and Border Patrol agents caught more than 160 illegal aliens, mostly from Central America, crossing the river on rafts and climbing up the banks in the park in violation of American law, which makes them criminals. That's right. I knew knew you guys would get there. Among them was a Salvadoran migrant, Silvia Segovia, age 36. He emerged from the riverbank brush just after dark Thursday, with 12-year-old Jose by her side. I wonder what Sylvia's mother says. I don't know. Anyway, Sylvia Segovia, with her 12-year-old son Jose, hoped to join her sister in Los Angeles because there's a lot of gang violence in El Salvador. Her 30-year-old brother was kidnapped and killed last fall. They decided to risk the trip now because they feared that the Donald Trump administration would make it more difficult for illegal aliens, criminals, to break into this country. She said, it's very bad for us criminals. 
She said, because we know we're not supposed to be here. We know we're breaking the law, but we want what you have in America. And if we have to just come and take it, well, we're just going to come and take it. So that's why we're here. We have come to take what is yours. Another problem, it's not clear about where the wall could be built. The river has a mind of its own, and in inclement weather, if it floods, we've had this park flood before. There's no feasible way to put a wall right up next to the river, said Hidalgo County Constable San Sergeant Dan Broyles. Well, I say build the wall across the park, and if it floods again, you got a dam. How about that, damn it? Chris Cabrera the vice president of the Rio Grande Valley of the National Border Patrol Council, the union that represents agents, said plugging gaps and extending the wall will only work if they have enough agents to monitor it. Exactly my point. You've seen the uh, video. They show it all the time. These two drug smugglers coming across the, the wall into America, and as soon as they get across the wall and hit the ground, they notice there's a Border Patrol agent there waiting for them. They immediately book it back over the top of the wall and head back into Mexico. See, they never tell you that's what's going on there. They just show these guys scaling the wall very quickly and easily. Because they're young bucks, and they were getting paid to bring, you know, a lot of marijuana into America. Or maybe, maybe it was cocaine. I don't know. That was the answer. They got over the wall, and bam there's the agents ready to arrest them. They go right back over the wall. What's wrong with that picture? The agents didn't arrest them. As soon as they topped that wall, they should have been shot and killed. That's the way it's supposed to work. And you say, oh, Doc, you're so mean. You're so horrible. No, it's just that I understand that good fences make good neighbors. You ever heard that quote before? My neighbor in the back just built a new fence. Why? Because he doesn't like me? No. No. But he wants a good fence between my land and his land. He wants his privacy. It's okay. I want my privacy, too. If my grandchildren want to go out and play in the backyard, I'd like them to be able to do that without being viewed by all the neighbors. Let's face it, there are perverts out there. Good fences make good neighbors. We need a good border wall because a border wall makes even better neighbors. A border wall with armed machine guns on it makes even better neighbors because once we send out the word that if you break into our country illegally, we don't care who you are or where you're from, you are not welcome here because you didn't come in through the front door after you knocked on the door. That's common etiquette. Ask any of these stinking liberals that are out there raising hell, well, how many of these uh, legal aliens you're going to take in? Hey, do you mind if I just show up at your house tonight? I'll just let myself in through the back window. Don't even worry about it. And I'll find a spare bedroom, and I'll sleep there. Maybe I'll just sleep on your couch. But don't worry, I'm going to make it up to you because tomorrow morning I'm going to vacuum your floors, and I'm going to make you breakfast, assuming you've got some groceries in the fridge because I ain't buying no food for you. What about the dreamers? The dreamers. What about the dreamers? Well, my grandchildren are dreamers. My grand- grandchildren have a birthright because they were born in this country where I, their grandfather, and their parents have worked really hard, paid a lot of taxes, gone to church, tried to make this world a better place so that they would have an opportunity to own their own business. They would have an opportunity to 
make a better place for themselves. My grandchildren are are dreamers, and they have a birthright. None of these illegal alien criminals that are breaking across, breaking our bathroom window and breaking in, none of them have a right to anything other than to be shot for breaking into our country. That is what they have a right to. Nothing more than that. Donald Trump's already said he plans to add an additional 5,000 agents to the current 20,000 that are employed. But we only have 17,000 agents right now on our southern border. That is not enough. When you've got 1,241 miles of Texas border to cover. If you've got 1,241 miles of Texas border to cover, let's see. i got the calculator right here. Let's look that up. Just to cover the Texas border properly, you need 7,446 agents. You need 7,500 agents on the Texas border if you're going to cover it properly. So that's what we want to see. That's what we want to see happen. About 55 miles to the west, near the edge of the valley in Roma, there is no fence to stop the migrants there who regularly dash up the riverbank, across the yards, to the church and the Dollar General store, a town of about 10,000 that sits so close to the river, the residents wonder where they would fit. There's just not enough space from here to the river, said Ozil Lera, uh, 27, standing in front of his uh, pharmacy, wearing his work shirt and cowboy boots. He said the government could build a wall, but from where to where? At about that time, Border Patrol agents passed on foot patrol. He said a wall may be needed, but the residents should not be displaced to make war make way for it. On the riverbank below, patrol agents spotted a smuggler launching a yellow rubber raft with three people, a woman and two men, on board. The man at the helm, shirtless, paddled frantically against the current, drawing close to the U.S. side so the raft could be concealed quickly by the thick stands of Carrizo Cane. On the U.S. Bank, Border Patrol agent Isaac Viegas whistled. That caught the paddler's attention, and he quickly went back to the Mexican bank. As Viegas watched the trio clamber ashore, a man in a dark coat stormed over to them, presumably another smuggler. He fumed loudly at the agents in barely audible Spanish. Viegas smiled and said, we deter them. We did our job today. Well, that was what K.C. Massey used to do. K.C. Massey, who was down there of his own volition, uh, providing security to Rusty at Camp Lone Star, which is now known as the Camp of the Flags. That's all he was doing. He said, we never had to pull our weapon. We never had to draw down on anybody. He said, simply, when they seen us standing there, that was enough. They'd turn around and go back. Yes, shooting them would deter them better. Frank's Frank's joining me on that. And all we got to do is put it out to the news media. All of the uh, border radio stations could uh, broadcast public service app. From from this day forward, do not come across the border illegally or we will kill you. If you want to come here, there are ways to do it. If you want to come here, go to the embassy and get a visa. Get a temporary pass, get a you know, get get a green card, get something if you want to come here. But you're not gonna break into our country illegally and come in here and take what what matters to us as Americans. We're just not gonna let you do that. 
So that being said, I want to thank Senator Dan Patrick for being as solid as he is on this issue. I wish he hadn't backpedaled when I mentioned the abolition of property taxes because these guys have never been shy about putting a tax on Texans. Why should they be shy about abolishing a tax when he knows for a fact that the Texas budget is totally out of control? Now, I know there's a certain amount of fear, and part of that fear is the plutocracy, the people that really run Texas, the moneyed interest. That's what Dan Patrick and all politicians fear the most. But here in Texas, we are voting. We're voting properly here in Texas. Anyway, I'm going to hit this break, and I'll be right back on the Doc Green Show. investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover selfdefensefund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. Hello, I'm Gary Wilcox with Pet Floors of Houston. We specialize in luxury vinyl tile installations for your home or your office. We sell a high-performance floor that is perfect for anyone who has dogs or cats or is trying to get a floor that just looks beautiful without nearly the maintenance that other floors have. It's a heavy-duty commercial PVC product. It looks like wood or stone or tile. This is a floor choice that you find major retailers have in their stores or intimate cafe or even your fast food restaurant. The adhesive that we use is waterproof. The product is waterproof, and so therefore, you can use a bleach water solution, clean it right up, and you're back to normal. It doesn't hold any odor, it's realistic, it's hygienic, it's affordable, and there's no click, click, click noise on it when you walk on this floor. It's just amazing. We've been in this house for about eight years, and we've had some hardwood floors down, and it was really one of those things where they were looking worn and need to be refinished, and we were really looking for an alternative. We found Gary with Pep Floors, and he came out and measured, and the measurement process went very easily, and when it came installation time, they came out here, did a fine job. The installers were great, and service has been great ever since. I love my new floors. They're great, extremely durable, and they just look beautiful. From a cleaning standpoint, from an overall care standpoint, you don't even have to think about what you're doing. There's no special care. It's really nice. 
actually have a mobile showroom so I can come out to your home or offices at a time that's convenient for you and I can show you the samples that would look right in your home. I can even help you make decisions and coach you through this. It's not like I've done this one or two times, but I've done it many, many times. So give me a phone call and I'm happy to come out there. I do estimates for you right there on the spot and it's all free of charge. Pet Floor of Houston. PetFloor.com. Tejas Smoke Depot wishes you well. Locally owned and operated, we have all sorts of tobacco products. Come take advantage of our sale on vapor products up to 50% off. Thanks for listening to us on the Dot Green Show on ABRN, RER, Facebook, or YouTube. We are located at 1639 West Highway 290 in Fredericksburg. Like us on Facebook, Tejas Smoke Depot in Fredericksburg, Texas. We got uh, got phone calls on the break. Now we had some other uh, interesting things to come up, and I'm going to talk about some of these things. We talked about them yesterday. The last thing we didn't get to talk about was privatized roads. But before I talk about privatized roads, I want to talk about something else because I think this is a serious problem. The Strong Cities Network Plan for a Globally Controlled Police System. Now, we talked about the privatization of police yesterday, and, of course, that would go a long way to solving this problem. But the enemies of freedom never sleep. We have got to remain vigilant if we're going to solve this problem. Now, several decades ago, a bunch of federal planners uh, decided to assign a new status to each of our ancestral nation states. Part of the globalization agenda 21 thing no longer would there be 50 individual states with their own constitutions traditions and borders instead they would like to rebuild it into 10 federal districts each is governed from a centrally located office chock full of federal bureaucrats <laughs> just warms your heart doesn't it so Gone would be the built-in competition among the states to be the best state because now it would just be the 10 federal districts and one with the least taxation and controls, the greatest inhibitors of growth and productivity. That's the way the states work. But this planned alteration of state government did get started and federal offices were indeed established. If you lived in Pennsylvania, you and the people in the surrounding states would now be in federal district 2. Californians, their neighbors would be in district 10. And because of sufficient resistance to this revolutionary uh, idea, uh, because of the resistance that arose, it never got as far as it was intended to go. But those who wanted this kind of government here in America, even a super or a world government, one worlders, one, one uh, let me see, what's, what's the word for it? The globalist, yeah, the globalist, those who want a globalist government, Never stop trying to figure out a way to make that happen. That was one of my problems with the Bushes. They were globalist. So leading the charge for this new venture uh, of was uh, Attorney General Loretta Lynch. Now she's fired, and that's a good thing. 
But she spelled out a new plan back in September of 2015 at the United Nations in New York. That didn't make the news, did it? It should not be surprising that New York's major ultra-liberal globalist Bill de Blasio introduced her for that speech. Now, he is a Harvard graduate, both undergrad and law school, and excuse me, she is a Harvard graduate, undergrad and law school, and served as a Federal Reserve uh, official from 2003 to 2005. Once again, a reminder to you, especially to the new listeners, the Federal Reserve is not federal, and it's not a reserve. And Rodney asked if we are live, and yes, we are live, Rodney Pugh. But it keeps buffering, and that's what really ticks me off. Comcast. They better get their act together and fix this problem. We'll see if they do. The globalists never sleep. They want one world government. They want one guy, maybe a guy like Barack Obama at the head, being the main guy in charge, dictating to the world what we shall do. There's a fabulous book you should read. It's called Agenda 21. It's by Glenn Beck. And you don't have to agree with Glenn Beck. I mean, Glenn Beck still writes some great books. And I'd recommend you get that book, Agenda 21, and now there's a sequel to it, and I've not read it yet. But nonetheless, Loretta Lynch, head of the lynch mob, appointed as a U.S. attorney for the Eastern District by President Barack and St. Obama. She held that position until she was approved by the Senate to become our nation's attorney general and therefore be in charge of the Injustice Department. And only five months after she did that, she revealed her goal to create the Alliance of Nations, a step toward building a global community. Did you ever read the Left Behind series? They talked about the global community in the Left Behind series. This is where they got it from. Promoters of this scheme insist that this isn't a government body. It's merely a non-governmental organization, a community organizer of sorts. The designation awarded to many organizations by the U.N. initial steps consist of linking the city's governments to the London-based Institute for Strategic Dialogue. Now, that sounds important. Institute for Strategic Dialogue. Yes, which will exert control over the city's law enforcement policies, setting up guidelines for police and working towards the disarming of civilians. That is its main goal. The foreign-based group doesn't hide its determination to grab the weapons of those who are classified as right-leaning. Because, let's face it, if you're not for one world government, well, you're, you're an unbeliever. If you don't believe in global warming, you're an unbeliever. The four American cities... The four American cities have already affiliated with the Institute for Strategic Dialogue, and they are New York, Denver, Atlanta, and Minneapolis. Montreal has also joined. 
These cities are now linked with European cities, where the citizens labeled as members of the right have already experienced the grab for personally owned weapons. Board members of the ISD include uh, Baron Charles Guthrie, a Rothschild banker. The Rothschilds, of course, very old family and one of the originators of this and one of the owners of the Federal Reserve, which is neither federal nor has a reserve. They are also trilateral commission members and Bilderberg veterans. If your alarm bells are not going off right now, they should be. Another board member is American Dr. Gary Samore. He is recent vice president of studies for the Council on Foreign Relations, member of the world government promoting the seal of the establishment since 1998. Clearly, national sovereignty is the ISD's ultimate target. The four U.S. cities already ensnared risk not only having their law enforcement policies determined by the ISD, but they also face the possibility of having foreign police in their cities, perhaps even blue-helmeted enforcers from the United Nothing. The creation of a global police force seems to be one of the major ideas they have on their agenda. This is why I personally would promote a private police force like we talked about yesterday. One of the excuses for the creation of this organization is the need to aid local police forces to combat Islamic extremists. So you got to have this national global police force to combat, to combat this, right? Oh, man. Arnold Schwarzenegger's on, on TV right now, and he's, he's, he's suggesting to the president that they swap seats so that America can sleep comfortably again. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, because Donald Trump still owns the Donald Trump still owns the Apprentice, and let's face it, Arnie's not pulling his weight over there as well as they hoped he would. Anyway, I digress. One of the this new venture by the World Planners presents two threats. First of all, it's a backdoor plan to wrest control away from local police, and the other step, a direction of the world government under the United Nations. Our support, your local police, and keep them independent effort must continue to grow. And that's why there's also a need to get us, U.S., out of the United Nations. This uh, article is published by the John Birch Society. Now, I bring this up because of what happened in Waco. In Waco, about a year and a half ago, the feds infiltrated the Waco Police Department. And they had some kind of sting operation going in the going on in the Bandidos biker club, and it went badly. So they decided they need to kill all of the people involved with that. And of course, to make it look like a gang war, they need to have a little collateral damage, kill a few few other guys that had nothing to do with it. Do I have any proof of this? No. But I'm pretty good at figuring things out, and I'm seldom wrong. So in this case, that's what we have. We have the police doing this. The police are connected to the feds in Waco, and Waco's where all of the fed offices are. Central Texas, it's perfect. Donald Trump is changing everything. Donald Trump is not a member of the Trilateral Commission. Donald Trump is not a member of any of these globalist organizations. 
That's why they fear Donald Trump so much, because he has not been properly schooled in the finer points of globalism. It bothers them. It worries them. They just don't know what to think about it. They don't know how they're going to solve that problem. Well, I'm here to tell you, Donald Trump is every bit of the man that I hoped he would be. He's doing a fabulous job. He is upsetting the apple cart, and that is exactly what needed to happen. And so we're looking forward to Donald Trump's continuing efforts in this area. We want to see him continue to be successful in this area. So God bless Donald Trump. Now I'm waiting. Yeah, here we are. This is for all the globalists out there. This is uh, my buddy Bill Lewandowski with Tricycle, who is currently in Memphis, Tennessee, participating in the uh, Blues competition finalist. So uh, we're looking forward to uh, getting his new CD. This is from Doug Fest a couple of years ago.
my buddy Bill Lewandowski with Tricycle from Dugfest a couple of years ago, waiting for the new one to come out. Anyway, a uh, very sad story here for you. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, I hate to even bring it to you, but it's, it's so sad. Victoria, Texas, as fog gave way to sunshine, more than 150 students and faculty, many clad in flyer blue, rounded one last corner on the Wednesday morning walk from the campus. Their destination, the charred carcass of a golden domed mosque. Yeah, somebody burned it down. Don't know who it was. Probably somebody in a burqa. And, of course, the problem with burqas, you got no idea who's under that burqa, you know? You can't really tell if it's a man or a woman. So probably somebody in a burqa burned this uh, mosque down. Now, last time we had a mosque burned down here in Houston, it turned out it was actually one of the members of the mosque that burned it down because he wanted to uh, make it look like Muslims were being persecuted when, in fact, they weren't. And, of course, that really breaks my heart because Muslims should be persecuted. Islam has no place in America. Abe Azrami, a member of the Victoria Islamic Center, said there is death here. He gestured toward the rubble and the ashes cordoned off behind him. But he said there is life here because these poor brainwashed, stupid little students whose parents have failed them utterly... We're all there feeling bad about this poor Muslim temple that's being burned. And most of them females not even understanding that when the Muslims take over, that they will be forced to have their labia cut off when they are young girls, if they're even allowed to live. Because that's what Muslims do. They don't even understand that if Muslims take over, Girls will not get an education. They will be forced to be sexual objects with their labia cut off so that they will find no pleasure in sex while the men find pleasure in raping them. That is Islam. Flames mysteriously devoured the 16-year-old mosque early Saturday morning, just hours after President Donald Trump signed his executive order barring refugees from seven Islamic countries from entering the United States and restricting travel to and from seven seven Muslim-majority countries. Thank you, Donald Trump. God bless Donald Trump. Father God, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, I pray a blessing upon Donald Trump. And all of those who work with him, Father God, I ask you to protect him from anyone that would try to harm him. And I ask you to continue to give him wisdom and understanding. In your, your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. It's a powerful symbol of unity, said Father Gary Janik, another idiot who joined the crew to visit the site. He said in the days since, it seemed that everyone in Victoria wants to help these 40 Muslim families who have come here to conquer Texas, they want to help them to rebuild their spiritual home so that they'll have a mosque, so they can have a place to keep their weapons, so that when they do get ready to take over Texas, they will have a fortress. So there are some leaders in Austin and Washington that seek 
to cast Islam as something to be feared, but he said, let's face it, we're too stupid to fear these Muslims. We want to help them conquer us. We have seen how wonderful it is in Paris. We have noticed how wonderful it is in Holland. We have seen how many women are getting raped in Germany, and we want that here. So Father Gary Janik from the local Catholic Church is there to help these conquistadors from Islam destroy Texas. Just hours after the fire, Victoria's Temple B'nai Israel offered its synagogue for local Muslims to have their five daily prayers where they will pray for the total destruction of Israel and for all of the Jews to be killed, following their Quranic requirement where it says that a tree will cry out, There is a Jew behind me, Mahmoud, come and kill him. Ahmed, join him. Ahmed, Mahmoud, Muhammad, all of the Jews must die. Come and kill them. Yet the Jews offered their temple. Denying the Lord Yeshua, their God, they have allowed people that worship a false god, Allah, Mephistopheles, Satan, whatever you want to call him, the angel of light, they have allowed their temple to be desecrated by these stinking Muslims. And after initially accepting some of these offers, the Islamic Center is now preparing an adjacent building on its property. It's cramped, but at least it's not burned yet for prayer. The move delays plans to open a free weekend medical clinic in that structure. As Rami joked, you know, we just can't keep up with all these people who want to help us destroy them. Around him, congregation leaders scurried over the mosque grounds, talking logistics, demolition, design, and construction, occasionally straining to be heard over the whistling train. A United We Stand banner was stretched across the mosque front entrance. At least five architectural firms have offered to design a new mosque for free because they can't wait until their wives and daughters are being raped and pillaged by these Muslims. On Wednesday, a gathering outside the mosque wasn't close to the biggest since the fire. On Sunday, organizers estimated that roughly 400 people attended a prayer service here and Locals who weren't able to attend said they can't get the images of the flames out of their mind. I couldn't believe it. I was looking at the TV, said Jesse Sims, a 74-year-old retired auto worker who moved here with his wife about a decade ago. He said, no, nah, I never thought anything like this happened to Victoria. Hey, just between you and me, Jesse, I never did either. I never thought the people of Victoria would be so stupid as to believe that bringing Muslims into their town was going to be a good thing. The fire has drawn headlines and messages of support from around the world. More than a million dollars in donations have poured into their GoFundMe account. Can you say money laundering? Dr. Shahid Hasmi, president of the Islamic Center, said Tuesday that his phone was buzzing nonstop. Hashmi moved here in 1984, joining just one other Muslim family in the town. And he said, since we've established this mosque, in the year 2000, he said, we've had remarkably little trouble. I mean, almost nobody ever bothers us because they don't know that we are here to conquer them. He said, yes, yeah, someone broke in 
and uh, stole some electronics about a week ago, and a local youth was caught vandalizing the mosque 2013, but they later apologized and performed community service after converting to Islam. At the same time, the center has been a hot spot for interfaith dinners. And its members have visited dozens of schools and church groups around town to convert people to Islam. He said the sudden international attention, however, has really surprised us. I mean, a man, a million bucks in our GoFundMe account in just a week? Why, wow, that's incredible. The worst problem is that all of our financial records and legal records and everything are just gone. Terrible. Trump's executive order which spurred chaos and distress at airports around the country, followed his campaign promise calling for the complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. That is not what he promised in his campaign. But this is from the Texas Tribune, and we understand that. Oh, yeah. Well, Frank brought up the Bible here, and he brought up the uh, scripture where a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. He said, I'd like to know who the people are that donated to that uh, you GoFundMe account. Well, you'd be hard put to figure that out, wouldn't you? But when anybody raises a million dollars in a week, especially a Muslim, I smell money laundering. Yeah, George Soros, very likely. Saudi Arabia, absolutely involved. Meanwhile, Azrami, the board member, said that some of his Trump supporter friends are among the first to offer their condolences and help after the fire because, well, let's face it, they ain't too bright. Because if they had a brain, they would understand that Islam is here to conquer. Islam is incompatible with civilized society. How do you support a religion that demands the killing of all of the Jews. What do you think is going on in Iran? How do you support a, re- a religion where you, they actually have a phrase in there where a tree is talking and you say, Ahmed, there's a tree behind me. I mean, there's a Jew behind me. Come and kill him. What you should do is you should go up to any one of these Muslim guys and say, uh, Well, do you love the Jewish people? Do you believe the Jewish people should be able to establish their own nation without fear of being attacked by Muslims? Ask them that. See how they react. It ain't going to go well. Anyway, Azrami said this really crosses the boundaries. He said, just like we tell people, please do not paint all Muslims with the broad brush of terrorism. Do not shoot. We are your friends. Mars attacks. In the close-knit Victoria community, dual sport for the president and growing local Muslim community isn't a contradiction. He said, hey, we're for Trump, and we love our Muslims, said Joyce Lida. Joyce Lida, do you not understand who these people are? They are here to conquer. Look at any place in the world where Islam reigns supreme. Look at that once beautiful gem of civilization in Michigan that was once 
one of the jewels in the crown of America, but now since the Muslims have taken over, it's become a third world hellhole where the call for prayer five times a day is the loudest sound in the city. Most businesses are strictly, I mean, they're gone. They've just been put away. They're gone. That same city where Christians were protesting on the sidewalk outside of their carnival, and they begin to throw feces at them and begin to throw bottles of urine at them, screaming obscenities. And finally, the police, to keep the peace, had to arrest the Christians who were peacefully protesting and throw them in jail and charge them with disturbing the peace. You can find that video on YouTube. You've got to understand, Islam cometh not but to kill, steal, and destroy. And Islam must kill all of the Jews. It must kill all of the Christians because they were infidels. It must kill all the Jews because they are Jews. It must kill all the other infidels because they are not Muslims. You must kill all of the bad Muslims because they are not as good a Muslim as you are. In the end, there can be only one. That is Islam in a nutshell. Take it away, Frank. just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have selfdefensefund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit selfdefensefund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. Maintaining your home air conditioner is just as important as maintenance on your car. You don't know the big difference there's going to be until you've had the work done. I thought my system was working fine, but now it's better than ever. Galen Beatty did it for me, and he'll do it for you. Good servicing will not only keep your system performing well during the sweltering summers here in Houston, but it will save you money year after year. In my case, it cut my AC power consumption by 20%. Do what I did. Have Galen Beatty set up regular AC maintenance to cut your energy bill and prevent system failure at the worst time. And what's better than being comfortable and saving money? Whether you need a basic tune-up or it's time to put in a new super-efficient system, you should call BDAC, 281-222-9591. That's 281-222-9591 to schedule an AC system tune-up. BDAC and Heat. That's B-E-E-D-E-A-C and Heat.com. BDAC and Heat.com. Smoke Depot wishes you well. Locally owned and operated, we have all sorts of tobacco products. Come take advantage of our sale on vapor products up to 50% off. Thanks for listening to us on the Dot Green Show on ABRN, RER, Facebook, or YouTube. We are located at 1639 West Highway 290 in Fredericksburg. 
Like us on Facebook, Tejas Smoke Depot in Fredericksburg, Texas. Here's an important message from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. TV and radio are great mediums for mass instruction, but for those times when you just want to hold something in your hands, there is the damn good times. I still love the newspaper, but I'm tired of the liberal bias. That's why I reach for the damn good times. Always full of interesting stories and great information, and you can have it delivered to your doorstep by calling 281-332-5710 or sending an email to news at thedamngoodtimes.com. Just $50 a year will get a full subscription. It's a great gift for all the patriots you know. Do it now. The doctor is in. Oh, yeah, we got a lot more for you on the Doc Green Show today. I mean, we're just, you know, I'm, I smile every day. I wake up because Donald Trump's there and I know he's doing good things, but there's so much left that has to be done. And Getting rid of Islam in Texas is one of those things that has Cordero. to be done. Maria Cordero. And I'll ask all the witnesses to state your name when you start. You did, but we, to be honest, just missed it. So but it's helpful if you state it very clearly so that we make sure that we have a record of you being here. Okay. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. This is the State Senate Committee on Yolanda State Affairs. Garza Birdwell. I was born in Tamaulipas. I came to the United States with legal documentation as a student in 1960. I attended business college in Houston. I'm a citizen of both U.S. and Mexico. I live now in Laguna Vista, Texas. I'm here to represent all my people, immigrants, workers, maybe middle class, Maybe some PhDs. <laughs> and she still can't speak English properly. That this CSB4 is rejected, completely rejected. And here are the reasons. Security. I heard so much in the three hours. Security. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. This is a live broadcast, so it's hard for me to jip it the way that I am, but... They have bust in all of these illegal aliens. Now, she says she's a citizen. I'll take her word for it, even if she can't speak English properly. But nonetheless, they bust in all these illegal aliens uh, because they don't want us to get rid of sanctuary cities. For this racist law. It's a racist we law. We cannot allow this for, for, the, for the police, policing, dual policing, to, to connect our community. 
We have seen this 500 years. We're tired. We're tired. The militarization of the area and the border is a business. And if you don't know, look at the business section. It has billions of dollars. Of drug money. Billion billions of dollars. Fear and disruption is a good business. But we the people also, also demand respect because we labor and we have made a lot of people in Texas very rich with our labor. Thank you very much for your testimony, ma'am. Okay, thanks to this panel. Y'all are excused. And the They've packed the room with illegal aliens. Y'all come on up to the table. You'll be next. But Dan Patrick said we're going to pass us before no matter what. Is there room for him? I'm not sure. Yeah. He'll, yeah. Why don't y'all just send him up next? Thank you. He'll be next. Yeah. He'll be next, sir. You can do anyway. Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Okay, go. Thank you. Yes, My name is Carol Ann Reed. I am a sixth-generation native Texan. My grandfather was a security guard in this very building back in the 60s and the 70s. And before that, he was on the Border Patrol uh, in McAllen, Texas. He would be as appalled and opposed to this as I am. Um, it, it has, this bill is unconstitutional. It has nothing to do with fighting crime. I believe that it has everything to do with furthering the agenda of this administration. It is, ma'am, nothing short of Neil McCarthyism. Hello, ma'am. It is all about separating us from them. Excuse me, I'm going to let you continue. I'm just going to interrupt you. I'm not going to, we're going to start your time over. I just think maybe there's possibly some new people in the chamber that weren't here earlier. You, you're not allowed to make outcries or applaud. I know everyone has passionate feelings about this issue. You're welcome to observe this process, but you're not welcome to make, you know, noise. We can't hear down here when you do it. We have still have 400 people waiting to testify, and it's not fair to them to slow down the process. So I just beg you, please, please watch, listen, um, but, but none, none of these side noises, please. And, and welcome, but please cooperate and follow the rules. Thank you very much. And ma'am, I'm sorry. We're going to start your time That's over because I cut you off, okay? That's okay. Do I, I don't have to start the whole thing well, over. Well, just, yeah, we'll just start, that start where I stopped you. I um, apologize for that. <laughs> there's more. As I said, it is nothing short of neo-McCarthyism. It is all about separating us from them, and, and, and that is not what we should be about. America used to be the heroes of the world, and the world is watching, by the way. I was over in Europe in November when the returns came in. I voted and left the country. Um, and and. It was amazing, the reaction. The world is watching and they are not believing. I'm embarrassed and heartbroken by this, the attitude of this administration and how America is being represented, not just the state of Texas, but I met Syrian refugees over there and I looked in their eyes and I heard their stories and it was heartbreaking. I said, we need more Muslims. We need more Muslims over here in Texas. Donald Trump. We don't have enough people here already. I would bring a refugee family and move them to Texas right next door to the governor's house. Why don't, why don't we bring them in here and Thank move them right into your house? I appreciate it, sir. 
That would be a great uh, idea. To the distinguished chair, the uh, Senate committee, and my fellow Texas residents up in the gallery. Uh, my name is Michael Morgan, and I'm testifying in opposition to SB4 uh, as a citizen of this great state and city. Um, I feel like this bill disrespects the will of Austin voters. Um, Austin voted for Sally Hernandez. And well, it does disrespect the will uh, of Austin voters because Austin is the last uh, bastion of communism in uh, Texas. I feel is mixed up with breaking the law. Um, despite this, it feels like Austin will be punished under SB4 uh, just for refusing to bend over backwards for immigration officers. Um, the language in SB4 seems dangerously unclear, and I don't think we can simply take someone's word for it that uh, it's going to be carried out in the way it's been described to us. Um, I feel like it undermines our state's rights as well, uh, ceding power unnecessarily to foreign uh, federal authorities. Um, my family has oh, really? been for since it was a republic, actually. Um, and part of my pride as a Texan is in our independence. I don't uh, think your parents are probably proud of you, though. Independence of the state. Uh, and the will of its people. Um, it trades our state's rights and independence for <laughs> some vague rule of law rhetoric that unfairly implies that some we don't vague all rule of law. The rule of law. Um, what what part of country do you not understand, guys? Like, uh, it's borders, language, and culture. Thank you, Dr. Michael Savage. Borders, language, and culture. You have to have secure borders, or you do not have a country. You have to speak a common language or you do not have a country. You have to have a common culture or you do not have a country. Borders, language, and culture make a country. These people, once again, are just as stupid as those people that are helping the Muslims. They are trying to destroy Texas, tearing it down with their own hands. Their votes and respect the ball of the city. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh, I'm going to pause briefly and call up some more people to the chamber. Um, if the two of you want to leave, you can, and you three stay here. Will you wait just a second? Okay, we have Roy Fletcher, Edison Cruz, Josette Cruz, Sadie Hernandez, Francisco Ruiz, Ruby Powers, Lance Kurtwright, Monica Guzman, Giselle Garabay, and Nancy Guadara from Brownsville. Would y'all make your way to the chamber? And I'm going to call, what is your name, sir? Evan Choate. Um, which one? Say it one more time. I'm sorry. Evan Choate. We found you. Okay, go ahead, sir. All right. Um, I am a Canadian citizen. Um, thank you for the opportunity to speak here. I'm You're a PhD welcome. candidate and a teacher at Rice University in Houston, Texas, where I've lived for almost four years, and I'm deeply concerned about the effects that this bill has Sounds on queer as a $3 bill to me. my community, at my school, and especially on the students that I He's teach. a very effeminate-looking um, fellow. Looks like he's there with his uh, significant other. impressed with the friendliness of Texas, the diversity of Texas, and how welcoming everyone in Texas has been, not just to me, but to entire communities. Uh, Houston has very quickly come to feel like my home, and I think that hospitality is a Texan value, and it's one that I've learned firsthand, and one which I believe that Texans believe should be extended to everyone, regardless of where they come from. Um, last year, I participated in recruitment at Rice University, and we were able to recruit two very talented foreign students, but both of them pulled me aside, and they were worried about the political situation in this country. They were worried about what they saw as the ascendancy of values like xenophobia and racism, and I assured them that that was not the Texas I knew and that that was not the Texas that they would know. 
But make no mistake, the priorities that this bill sets out for law enforcement send a very clear message. Turning police into immigration officials sends a strong message that the state prioritizes keeping people out over keeping people safe. You've heard time and time again at this hearing that this bill doesn't keep people safe. It may help you deport more people, but it does not help you protect communities. So the message that it sends is that Texas is xenophobic. Texas is not welcoming. Texas is not a place for immigrants. Texas is a Texas place, is a place for immigrants. We welcome you, but here's the deal. You have to come in here the right way. You have to go to your embassy. You have to apply for a visa, and you come in here legally. What the hell is wrong with you people? You know, when I think of all the Texas citizens that have been killed by illegal aliens, and thank you, Maria Espinoza, for the Remembrance Project. You guys can find that, remembranceproject.com. Illegal aliens have killed hundreds of Texans. Why are we continuing to promote it? Immigrated to Texas in other ways. Um, I'm a lifelong Houstonian. I'm a lawyer in Houston. I took a day off work, day and a half off work to come down here. I've never testified before a committee before. That's how strongly I feel and how strongly I'm against SB4. Um, I want to talk to you about Houston. Well, first of all, I, I wanted to point out that I think a lot of y'all would have a real problem with Washington, D.C. telling you how to run things. Well, we're having a real problem in cities like Houston with y'all telling us how to run things. And we need our authorities to make those decisions because we're the ones paying the taxes, we're the ones it's costing money to, and it's our city. Imagine what Houston would be like if y'all had passed laws like this 20, 30, 40 years ago. I want to talk to you about two people. And by the way, Senator Huffman, I live in your district. Um, and, I heard your wife. I'm pretty and, sure that was her and, who was here and, before. And the other, um, the other, one of the people I want to talk to is my good friend, Mort Barhalou. He lives in your district, too. He lives in River Oaks. He's a neighbor of yours. Mort Barhalou immigrated from Iran in 1978, and he founded a company called Helix after graduating from U of H Pharmacy School. He became a citizen in 1978. Helix employs over 550 people. It's headquartered in Sugarland. It's a very innovative medical company. Um, who are we excluding? By? Yeah, well, you see, that's a good guy. He came here to do something. He came here to build something. But so many of these thugs just come here to kill, steal, and destroy. I didn't get to it when Dan Patrick was on the show earlier today. The, we had a guy from China that came here, raped a young girl, a, a, uh, an, a young girl under the age of 10, raped her, and we deported him. We should have killed him. We deported him back to China, and in six weeks, he was back in Texas. Imagine had this type of bill been passed back before he immigrated. He wouldn't be here. He wouldn't be employing all those people, and Houston wouldn't be the incredible diverse city it is today. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Yes, sir. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity to testify today regarding Texas Senate Bill 4. My name is Justin Estep, and I am, I am an immigration attorney and the director of Immigration Legal Services at Catholic Charities of Central Texas. That's how I I'm make also my money. I'm a generation Texan, a lifelong conservative, and a practicing Catholic. The bill before this committee is dangerous not only in its effect, but also how it undermines our traditional values. I don't believe the conservative part. What do you think? fought for generations to retain the greatest amount of local control and self-determination allowed in our great union, which has resulted in a thriving economy and an incredibly diverse community of individuals that contribute to it. 
specifically the vague language in SB4 that prohibits Texas communities from endorsing a policy that discourages the enforcement of immigration laws is terrible. This language is overbroad and ambiguous on its face. The terms endorse and discourage are not defined in the bill or the local government code, and their plain meaning is similarly broad. This poor choice of words will almost certainly lead to an over-inclusive statute that threatens to limit self-rule by paralyzing local actors and ultimately harm those whom this bill claims to protect. For example, the federal government does not provide attorneys, attorneys free of cost to individuals going through proceedings in immigration court. However, cities may choose to provide assistance to local residents, such as the victims of human trafficking or those seeking asylum, as asylum success rates more than double when the applicant is represented. Under this bill, a democratically elected government exercising its right to support the most disadvantaged in our great state could be seen as discouraging the enforcement of immigration laws. In addition, the moral dilemmas this bill creates, it is at least is at least as harmful for, for our economy. SB4 will force local governments to spend resources on voluntary ICE detainers to house prisoners for minor traffic and moving violations without the promise of reimbursement from the federal government. In fact, the, Texas, the entire Texas legislature needs to ask itself if this bill is underwritten by demagoguery and why this body is ignoring the economic havoc SB4 would wreak and tacitly accepting the decimation of families within this great state. God bless Texas. Thank you, sir. And this panel's uh, Oh, my God. I can't believe they don't have anybody testifying in favor of this bill. But you heard, yeah. Lieutenant Dan, we're going to get this thing passed no matter what. Why don't we have uh, – well, let's just review it. Then. But that's a guy that makes his money on – on immigrants. Okay. So go ahead and introduce yourself. And okay, thank you. Dear, uh, dear state senators, thank you for your public service for our great state of Texas. My name is Mark McKim, and I'm a substitute teacher for Austin ISD and member of Austin Jewish for Peace. I'm actually going to read a testimony from a high school student as she wasn't able to be here today as she was in school. So let me read this. Uh, here she is. Um, to whom it may concern, my name is Celia Zubieta Rodriguez, and I am unavailable to speak today as I have school, but I wanted to speak on behalf of the SB4. As a senior in high school, I've gone through life altering ordeal. I've gone through life altering ordeal number uh, uh, number 18, 18 years old should have to go through like diabetes, depression, but more important, the deportation of my father when I was only 14. Let me take you back to the lowest point of my life. Struggling with depression for years, I attempted suicide and I was institutionalized for about a week. Finally, after an agonizing week of missing my family, I went back home without knowing that a day later he would be whipped, whipped away from me. I remember arriving home from an intractable day looking forward to being with my family who comforted me in times of distress. I remember my mother setting me down with tears in her eyes I smell BS. that my dad was deported. I made my mother cry with my suicide attempt, and now she was breaking into millions of pieces due to my father's removal less than a month apart. I remember my two-year-old brother looking... Well, you know, her father should have come here illegally, and they wouldn't have that problem, I guess. I don't I don't know, guys. I, I this, this whole thing just blows my mind. Why are we here begging for more illegals to come here? Why are we here begging for more Muslims to come here? Do we need more conquistadors? Do we need more uh, Muslims that are going to come here and immolate our women? And God, what are we so open-minded that our brains have fallen out? Dadgummit, I came here happy today. I came here with a smile on my face, and then I hear garbage like that just ticks me off. Yes, yeah, Frank said, yeah, blame everyone except for the parents who uh, engage in criminal activity. 
All right. I don't know. In the the remaining uh, moments of the show, I don't know if I can get to this or not. No, I'm not even going to try to. I'm going to leave that story for tomorrow. Uh, there's uh, the State Board of Education is uh, dealing with evolution standards in Texas. I'll talk about that tomorrow. First of all, I do want to take the remaining moments of the show to thank uh, Senator Dan Patrick for being part of the show today, or excuse me, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick for being part of the show today. Uh, in the short time he's with us, he did bring up a couple of good deals. He is for the wall. He is for stopping illegal immigration. He is for stopping sanctuary cities. And at least right now, he is for slightly reducing the unfair property taxes that we have. I reminded him when he was on the show, there used to be an organization of which he and I were both a member called Clout. And that is Citizens for Lowering Our Unfair Taxes. Well, that is the problem we have right now with Clout. Uh, it's still going on. Clout has gone away, but our taxes are still unfair, and they have not been been lowered. And, uh, yeah, Frank said it's very un un upsetting hearing all that testimony. <laughs> oh, my God. But that's what they do. They bust these people in. Anyway, property tax is a communist idea because if you have a property tax, that means the state owns everything. The day that you pass that, you have broken the contract with America and created a communist society. Yes, Dan Patrick said we got to get some money from somewhere. Well, we get that money from a sales tax, a consumption tax. I encourage all of you listening to me today to go to fairtax.org and, uh, and check it out. Because I think if you go to fairtax.org, you, you will find some really good stuff. Fairtax.org, that is what we need. The problem that we have today is that we are doing we are engaged in unfair taxes. We need to get rid of these taxes that we are, are paying. It's a it's a ridiculous amount. The state spends too much money. They could easily cut their budget by fifty percent and we'd be just fine. So that's what I'm pushing for. The elimination of our unfair property taxes. Call your senators, call your Congress, or excuse me, your state reps, and let them know that's what you want. Valerie Swanson is bringing a bill to abolish the property tax, but it'll never get out of committee unless you help. All right, I got to have a little bit of music to lift my mood after that horrible live testimony from the Pink Palace in Austin.
The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you are listening to Financial Survival. And I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Adisk, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events. Today is Thursday, February 2nd, 2017. Good afternoon, Al. Hi, Melody. I suppose since we already talked about Punxsutawney Phil, you don't want to talk about him again today. <laughs> Sorry with me. I'm not. I'm I'm an equal opportunity. He did see his shadow predicting six more weeks of winter. So, uh, but it it is amazing the amount. Six more weeks down here in Texas. It's amazing how many people do show up. I mean, this is something that's been going on for 130 years, and uh, so a lot of people. Probably a Bilderbergers meeting, Melody. This is probably a thinly disguised pretext for a Bilderbergers or Illuminati or something like that. You need to catch up on the times, Al. You need to broaden your base of of events that happen in this country that has been going on for 130 years. So Punxsutawney Phil is uh, spot on. They say he's right 100% of the time, and I doubt that. But uh, still, they say, and he's the original Punxsutawney Phil. 
Oh, bunk. <laughs> you got, you got lighten up, Al. <laughs> thing's a hundred year old critter. Hundred and thirty. Hundred and thirty. Gee, how the time flies. They, they they feed it a special elixir in September to uh-huh. them going strong. To... It's called Jack Daniels. <laughs> no, those are the handlers. The handlers uh-huh. Jesus, Jack Daniels. <laughs> Gold, well, it needed a little boost today. I woke up and saw it up, and I saw Gold twelve twenty five, and I thought, all right, coming off some from I don't know. I guess I'm going to call it scuttle talk coming out of the White House uh, uh, about Iran. We'll talk about that in a little bit, plus some unhappy, oh, I shouldn't say unhappy, but some, some an unusual conversation with uh, Australia uh, based on the refugees. So we'll have to see how that comes out. And gold was up strong, I'm assuming, based mainly on Iran, but it did soften. So we're only up $6 now in the New York Spot price aftermarket at $1,216.70. Silver had a good day. Couldn't hold the lead. $17.54 down 07. Platinum was up a buck at 1002 Palladium was down 3 at $762. The USDX today was stronger by 0.05 at 9980 Crude oil was down 0.27 at 53.61. Paper markets today, you know, they're just kind of holding steady, down five at 19,885. The Nasdaq was down six at 5,636, and the S&P was up one at 22.80. The 10-year yield. Holding strong there, or steady, I should say, at 2.47%. Euro 108, down just a little bit, 0.04. Japan was down the biggest, a little over, about 1.25% overnight. Everything else was pretty uh, unchanged. There's a lot of things going on in the news that I'm just waiting for to begin to um, impact the markets. I think this week uh, we haven't – not a lot of discussion was given to this, Al, where Trump has pledged to do a big number on Wall Street this week. Uh, he's going to do a big number on Wall Street reform law known as Dodd-Frank. But we don't know if he's going to bring up uh, his pre-election pledge to bring back Glass-Steagall. Now, Jamie Dimon uh, – J.P. Morgan Chase, the CEO, he's going to be in Washington tomorrow uh, to meet with Trump. And Diamond, this is his first meeting with Trump as part of the president's CEO advisory group. So there's going to be a lot of, um, you know, talk about regulations and and so forth. So, you know, there's, you know, we're not sure how it will affect the markets, uh, but certainly Steve Bannon, I think everyone knows who Steve Bannon is. In fact, a time suggested on the magazine that he may be the second most powerful man, man in the world. But he believes that you really need to go back and make banks do what they do. Commercial banks lend money and investment banks invest. And 
we need to get away from this trading. And, I mean, I do agree with that, but it does sound a lot like glass glass steagall So, you know, something could be coming out tomorrow as far as the financial markets, uh, Wall Street. I'm not sure whether it will be good, whether it will be bad. Uh, they kind of leave you guessing. But so we will have that to face tomorrow, if anything. Might not happen till Monday or something, but uh. <laughs> the way Trump moves, we may have it before the end of the program. <laughs> um, you know, it's a, it would be interesting to compare how many newspapers they've been selling up until the time Trump got elected, and how many they've been selling since then. The newspaper industry has been in a lot, under a lot of stress and strain. They've lost something like half their employees in the last 10 or 15 years. That's partly due to automation, but it's partly due to where people are getting their news off the Internet when they're not buying newspapers. I'm wondering, it's just crossing my mind, with all the news Trump generates, I'd say he's probably been good for mainstream news media. He's probably increased the volume of newspapers and TV stories and how many people are watching uh, the CBS Evening News. I bet it's all rising. What the heck did he do today? You know, everybody's curious. It's Obama. You know, he could have disappeared. They could have, he could have been removed for six months, and we wouldn't necessarily have noticed. <laughs> if Trump disappears, they may shut down all the newspapers for a day or two. Well, certainly in the, the media, is, uh, it is different in the interest, uh, and I know people are glued. I mean, this, this, you know what, Al? Even though he's the president, it's our government, it's entertainment. And that's what it well, really it's is. Well, it's more than it is. It's, some it's, degree, it's, some it's degree entertaining, I'll give you that, but I don't know if it's necessarily entertainment, but to some degree it is, I guess. It is. You know, people are just excited about it. I mean, it is such... An astonishing Trump's presence in the White House, whether it turns out to be good or bad, remains to be seen. But he's showing you that you can get things done, you can get it done in a hurry, if you want to. I mean, there was, I mean, he's just stepping in there and taking off like a rocket. And what's stopping him? Apparently nothing. Now, I don't doubt there's going to be resistance, however much he's able to achieve in the first week or two or whatever, you know, he, he's hit the ground running, but he can't run forever. He's going to have to slow down sooner or later, and or there will be organized resistance that's trying to keep him from moving further and faster. Um, but just the same, he's demonstrating that things are not hopeless, which I think, for me, Obama inspired a sense of hopelessness. And Trump, does, and he says, hey, Trump is just not even paying attention to that. He's just saying, we can get things done. I mean, now. And it's inspiring. Uh, I saw a jobs report that we had exceptional job numbers. I don't have it in front of me, but exceptional job numbers for January. Yeah, well, I don't know how much of that two, can be. The, AD, the ADP, they're expecting over, what, 200,000? We'll I thought it was 246 is what I think well, I, I saw. it was over 200. It was up there. but Yeah, yeah. They're, expect, they're expecting, I don't know how much of that can be traced to Trump being elected, but I have to guess, I'm guessing that he's he's responsible for some of the increase in those numbers. He is inspiring people to be optimistic. He business, Businesses are saying, yeah, buddy, I think we can do something. Here, let's hire five more people. 
all right, based on nothing more than optimism and hope right now. Now, that may backfire before this is all over, but if, insofar as it might be true, it's, it's evidence that who you elect as president really can make a spectacular difference in what happens in this country. And uh, to me, comparison to Obama and Trump, I got it's just astonishing. Okay. Like Obama you wasn't move. even here, and Trump is here. Trump is working forty hours a day, and Obama, I don't know, that he worked at all. Isn't there something wrong with moving? I mean, I grip. I, I, I don't take me wrong, folks, and I get the optimism and everything. I understand that, and it is good. I mean, you know, what's the first thing I do? I read news all day long when I'm done with work. I continue. But isn't there something wrong that there's this euphoria where if people are actually going in debt to hire these people, they didn't have money to begin with. I mean, that's the whole reason why they didn't hire people. But people are making decisions based on just words. I agree. I mean, to me, that is dangerous. But we made decisions based on just words from Obama, too. And we should right. have and some of the some of the slump we've had for the last eight years may be left? traced may be may be traced to Obama not really being an enthusiastic. He was he was uh, smiling and blah blah blah. But like I said yesterday, Trump was a game show host, but he looks like a president. He acts like a president. <laughs> Obama, he looks like he he should have been on uh, you know Family Feud or something. He should have been the host on Family Feud. He he looks like a game show host. Uh, uh, and he was president. I, um, there's something going on here, though, and it may, be, it may take us a while to put our finger on it where we express it properly and clearly, but still there's something that's happening with the, just on the basis of personality. And in that regard, he is rem- Trump is reminiscent of Reagan. And Reagan in his theme, it's morning in America, you know. He managed to inspire people, and maybe you know. <laughs> but what are you, I, I, what are you I, chuckling I, I, about, Melody? Said that didn't work out well. <laughs> but it was, was better a, than what had been. It was, was better article. than what had been. We'd been in a slump ever since the Vietnam War, and Reagan stepped in and he re-inspired the American people. And if only that inspiration that was worth something. People began to feel positive. They began to feel hopeful. We can. I think we can do something. I think I can do something. I think I can start a business. I think I can do this. I think I can expand. Um, Trump is making that attitude possible. Now, the reality may defeat that. Regardless, you can be as happy as you want. You know, while the ship is sinking on the Titanic, let's have another round at the bar, boys. I'm buying. <laughs> Well, that may be good times, but it doesn't stop the ship from sinking. I read the article that Time published on Steve Bannon, and I know a lot of it was you know, just a typical crap that they write and so forth. But there was part of it that I thought was interesting, and it was about a book that he read. He was captivated by a book that was called The Fourth Turning by generational theorists William Strauss and Neil Howe. Um, The book argues that American history can be described in a four-phase cycle, repeated again and again, in which successive generations of 
fallen into crisis, embraced institutions, rebelled against those institutions, and forgotten the lessons of the past, which invites the next crisis. These cycles of roughly 80 years each took us from the revolution to the Civil War and then to World War II, which Bannon might point out was taking shape 80 years ago. And during the fourth turning of the phase, institutions are destroyed and rebuilt. And I, I started saying it's like we are at that 80-year period. We have had these major wars every 80 years, and we are due. And and, and, it was, and that's where everything gets cleaned out, but no one learns a lesson of the past, so it just starts all over again. And I, I thought to myself, I need to get the book uh, because it's certainly um – uh, yeah, it sounds those, worthwhile. It sounds like a good theory, and it sounds like uh, something you can so learn. For the, so for the listeners, The Fourth Turning is the name of the book uh, by William Strauss and Neil Howe, H-O-W-E. So, um, yeah, and I'm thinking, well, you know what? It, I mean, you hear the seven-year cycles, you hear this cycle, that cycle, the you know the dead count bounce. I mean, you you hear all types of cycles. But to me, this is the one. And just reading that little bit, thought to myself, that makes more sense than anything. And um, so, did you read the Kondratiev Wave, Russian economist? No, oh, I mean I know him. Yes. Well, yes, you know of him. I've read, a lot of his, I've read a lot of his things. Well, the point was his original argument was a 50-year cycle, which I thought was impressive. And I remember reading uh, one of his, at least one of his books back probably when I was in high school. I think that's when I read it when I first, and I thought it was, I thought it was interesting and I thought it was clever. But I remember he had the introduction. Andrzej was a was an economist and it's in, under the Soviet Union. And when the United States went into a the Great Depression, the Soviet Union was uh, broadcasting that this was it, we were finished, and uh, the Depression was, we'd, we'd never survive, we'd, we'd collapse, and the United States would collapse. And Conrad Steve said, he, he said, no, 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 this is just part of a cycle. And they go through this periodically, and you can bet that they'll be coming back. Well, Condorcet turned out to be correct, although he was arguing it was a 50-year cycle. Um, right now, maybe I've heard he other people viewing. argue it was 60, 70-year cycle. And here we have an 80-year cycle from William Strauss, and I wonder how much it parallels the same ideas you find in the Condorcet wave. Well, Condorcet was mainly economics. This is you talking know, about the U.S. history he, he went involving, through the same thing. involving more of everything. You know, crisis and and how the things, you know, of generations and from the the senior leaders uh, who seem to have no memory of the last crisis and they're always the ones that push us into the next one. And it's just like it, it to me. This, I mean, just the short uh, what I read really kind of it embraces everything, not just economics. And well, that's what we need. We need a. We need something that will explain everything to us. Boil it down in simple form where we can understand it. And uh, I doubt this is in but simple I don't think form, there is Al, but I doubt that this is in simple form. But, uh, um, but yes, a book to be had. And, um, you know, I think all of these, you know, I think they were all onto something. 
And, oh, and it goes, the whole point of everything is we are at this point in time where the cycle is changing. We're, so ready, to we head into, we're ready to head into a crisis. Yeah, well, I agree, I agree with that. I agree with that. And it's not really a surprise if we're talking about, if, if we're talking about this 80-year cycle predicted the Great Depression and we're due for another Great Depression, it doesn't exactly surprise me because we're in so, in so deep in debt and we can't possibly pay it. It's going some kind of an explosion is is coming, some sort of an implosion, explosion, uh, something bad is going to happen when this stupidity finally has to be faced. Um, let's take a break. A couple of commercials. Melody and I will be right back on Financial Survival. Please stay tuned. Thanks, Al. What were you chuckling about? 
I don't remember these little these little. I'm easily amused, as you know, Melody, and that's just something amused me for a moment there, and I was chuckling. One eight hundred three seven five four one eight eight for all your gold and silver coin needs, folks. We got um, we're still carrying the great specials on the silver eagles. Very low, low price. Barely, you know, what we make a buck per twenty that we sell. <laughs> Come on, folks. <laughs> my dog needs dog food. I have to continue feeding my dog. But uh, uh, 1-800-375-4188 in gold coins. We're a few dollars above the American Gold Eagle, one ounce for that Men's State 62 cent. So it's still a great buy. I mean, at the peak 2010, gold was, spot gold was probably around, I'm just estimating, $1,100 and Men's State $62.20 gold pieces were selling for over 2100 So you can get terrific spreads in a fear-driven market, which I think in the near future, um, that is absolutely what is going to be driving the price of gold. And again, I think you'll see these spreads move. We just have to be patient. We don't buy gold for the instant return for today or tomorrow. We buy it as a way to preserve our purchasing power, the insurance policy that protects our wealth. That's why you buy gold and silver, and that's why you have to make sure you have enough of it also. Five and 10% of your portfolio in gold and silver is not going to do it, and there's a lot of people out there telling you that's all you should have. And to some degree, I think to myself, what's the point if you have 5% of your assets in gold? Why bother? It's not going to help when the stuff hits the fan. So if you have any questions, give me a call at 1-800-375-4188, 1-800-375-4188. A lot of people out there trying to get you to sell your gold, trade your gold for silver, then telling you, well, then you can sell, trade your silver. No, 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 no. You never, ever trade your gold for silver. The only time you should trade your gold for silver is if you have the proper amount of gold in your portfolio and you have no silver and you want some. Hell yeah, trade a little bit of that gold for silver. But you don't trade it for the reasons that they're trying to tell you to sell all your gold and buy all silver. You never, you're trading down. Why would anybody want to trade down? You want to trade up. You want to increase your holdings of items, and you're not going to be able to do it that way. So uh, just be careful. If people are calling you and telling you to do this and do that, that's when you should probably hang up on them because they're only there to benefit themselves. So if you have those calls and you want to go over anything with me, call me, and I'd be more than happy to uh, talk with you. Something else, Al, today, House Speaker Paul Ryan that the lawmakers, Republican lawmakers, are going to try to push through tax reform and infrastructure bills, two key policies for investors in the spring after they focus on health care. He says it's just the way the budget works, that we won't be able to get the ability to write our tax reform bill until our spring budget passes, and then we write that through the summer. So when did government begin to have seasonally but seasonal budgets. <laughs> I mean, well, we're now doing 
it was excessively cold in the winter time, and that slowed the economy down, or it was excessively hot in the winter time, and that slowed the economy down. They've, they've become more seasonal. They're sensitive these things now, Melody. I didn't, re- I didn't realize climate change. Climate change. That must yeah. be it. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that they did budgets uh, through the seasons, uh, that would be based on the season, and that's why they can't work on the tax bill or the uh, infra- infrastructure spending until the spring budget and then they'll have to wait through summer so some people are getting a little upset because these are the the two main things that people really wanted uh addressed the first couple of weeks with mr trump in office i just wanted him to show us his show whether he is or is not for real and everything indicates yeah he is well, I know, but my point is, Al, a lot of businesses, investors, uh, Wall Street, um, they were, you know, multinational corporations, uh, they were all waiting for this tax reform and infrastructure bills, and they were hoping it was something that would be addressed earlier than later. So, again, they're using the budget to stall it. And, um, I mean, they got a, they got a lot on their hands uh, having to do with deal with the health care. And healthcare debt. What they're looking for, they're looking for to uh, still spend one trillion dollars on the infrastructure. And this is what I wanted to get with what Ryan said. Ryan says, "Remember, this isn't a trillion dollars of taxpayers' spending. This is how do we leverage private sector dollars so we can leverage more private sector spending on infrastructure like pipelines and things like that. FAA reform. We have to overhaul the entire air traffic control system. That's a huge infrastructure piece with airports. That's all part of this. Well, Al, if it isn't taxpayer spending, you know, doesn't it always come down to the taxpayer? How else? Ultimately. How else are they going to be spending a trillion dollars on infrastructure spending? Well, by borrowing it. And who gets to pay that debt? Well, children and grandchildren. People that haven't. Those, I mean, the adults don't know what's going on in this country, and certainly the children don't know. And we'll just leave the debt to them. <laughs> Surprise! We're leaving you a debt that you couldn't possibly pay. You're going to be living like Greeks before this is all over. Yeah. But, uh, but for him to come out, this isn't trillion dollars of taxpayers spending leverage. Well, leverage is a trillion a year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just. But, you know, we've talked about this before. I mean, there are people that. We have a debt based monetary system, which we believe. Yeah. Cannot function unless the government goes deeper and deeper into debt. And while a lot of people are sitting back and saying, "Oh, it's unreasonable," it's un, it's we can't go deeper into debt. And I agree with that. In the real world, I agree that this is going to bite us. But once you accept a debt-based monetary system, you have to go deeper into debt. And they go deeper into debt, and these debt instruments can be used as collateral under fractional reserve banking by law. If we write up a, thou- a trillion dollars worth of debt for 2017, there's going to be another trillion dollars worth of bonds that are going to go into U.S. banks and maybe foreign banks. It's not necessarily just U.S. banks. But the point is those bonds can be used as collateral under fractional reserve banking in the United States to lend for every dollars we've got in bonds in the United States, we can lend out the banks 
who buy a bond, they buy a million-dollar bond, they can lend $9 million to the great unwashed. It becomes a multiplier. The more debt they go into with fractional reserve banking, it multiplies how much currency can be spun out of thin air by private banks and loaned to consumers. My question is, system, once we get into this thing, we don't have to be productive, but we must go deeper into debt. And I think somebody up there in the Republican Party understands that, and maybe a lot of people do. They're not going to tell the public, because if the public realize, what do you mean we got to go into debt to get <laughs> to be prosperous, to hold this thing together? Say, yeah, that's that's the truth of the matter. Well, then how, why do I go into debt? And I mean big time. How about the bank loans me a million dollars? All right? So I can... Stimulate the economy. <clears throat> and of course, I'll never pay it back. But who cares? And this is part of the reason the banks go along with this situation. They will buy bonds that they know. They will buy bonds that they know are a million dollars worth of bonds. They know they're never going to get. They're going to pay a million dollars. They'll never get the million dollars back on the bond. They might get some interest on it. They'll never get the million dollars. They might get part of the million dollars. They will never be paid in full. They probably won't be paid in half, but they don't care because they can use that bond to loan out nine times the face value of the bond to the public. And if they can get 5% on each of the $9 million they loan, it's, a t it's equivalent to 45% on the million dollars they paid. It's a spectacular deal. It's the reason why the banks don't blow the whistle on the government. And this is all being done by law. They say that these treasury notes, these, these the bonds, they can be used as collateral under fractional reserve banking. This is the law. This is the key to how they're holding the system together and why it continues to function. And the banks don't really – I mean, the, the banks, you would think, if the bonds are as unpayable – is we think is true. If that's if we're correct in that in that presumption, then you would think certainly the bonds, the banks have to know that the bonds are going to turn out to be worthless. They've been, they put a million dollars into a bond, it's going to turn out to be worthless. They're never going to get back. You would think the bonds was, and the banks therefore would say, we're not going to buy any more of these idiotic bonds. You think we're crazy, right? But because the banks do buy the bonds. Private banks, commercial banks, they buy these bonds and use, and because they can use them as collateral, people think, well, if they're buying bonds, they must be okay. I mean, the banks, what do I know? But the banks, they got to know. If they're buying these things, it must be okay. They're buying them because fractional reserve banking. They can, mail, they can lend up to nine times the face value of those loans, of those bonds, which means at, at 5% on, on the nine Nine times 5%, you get 45% return on investment against the $1 million original investment. You get basically, if the, if, the, if the country doesn't fall apart in two years, you recover your money in two years under, that, under, that, under, under those numbers. All right? That's all they got to do. If the bond works for two years, you're good. Your banker, you're good. If it holds together for two years, you're good. After that, it's all gravy. Yeah, I don't know that the banks are lending nine times, but I know that my understanding is that they can under fractional reserve banking, whether they actually do lend two times or five times or nine times. But this is the le this is the reason why the banks say, sure, well, we'll buy some more of those idiot bonds. They don't care if the principal turns out to be worthless as long as anybody's paying 
interest on those bonds, they can continue to use them as collateral, even though the bank, even though those bonds are technically worthless. As long as they're paying interest, they are performing debt instruments, and they can use them as collateral, and they can keep lending money to consumers. Stimulate the economy, one thing or another like that, but the whole thing is a giant Ponzi scheme. It's a house of cards, and sooner or later, it's going to blow up. And everybody who gets close enough to this can see it. It's going to blow up. But in the meantime, we don't want it to blow up. We're caught, you know... We are caught in an untenable predicament where we have to go deeper into debt to prevent this thing from blowing up in our face. And we keep going into debt. We know this is bad. It's going to get worse. It's going to be a bigger, bigger explosion. Yeah, but it's not going to blow up now. It'll blow up a year from now, five years from now. We can put it off, and that's all they can do. They can't resolve the problem. All they can do is postpone, 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 kick that can down the road. But Sooner or later, we're going to run out of road or we're going to run out of can. And we're going to have to deal with a problem, which is, oops, the debt can't be paid. And when that happens, everybody who's got their wealth stored in the form of paper debt instruments are going to lose their assets or most of them. And the people who have stored their wealth in the form of something tangible, like gold or silver, will still be sitting there, and they will truly be golden at that time. They're going to have some wealth. They're going to have something to invest at a time when people are going to be selling. The stock market is going to collapse. And there will be an opportunity for anybody who has real money. You'll have an opportunity to buy a stock market at prices a fraction of what they are today, $20,000. I don't know where it's going to go. Could go to $5,000. You'll have an opportunity to purchase the Dow, for example, if that's what you want to do, with gold. When the price of gold is up high and the value of the Dow is down low and you can make an investment that could put your children and even your grandchildren in a position of wealth in the future and, you know, Barring the unforeseen, you don't know how things are going to work out exactly. Nobody does. But just the same, there'll be a tremendous opportunity for anyone who has capital. All the paper is going to disappear. It's going to vaporize. It'll turn out to be worthless. And then there won't be any paper wealth. And then people want to buy a new, want to build a new shopping center. They're going to give, if you've got real capital, which is to say gold and silver, that didn't disappear when the debt blew up in everybody's face, you're going to be able to invest in businesses and in, in shopping centers and whatever as spectacular. It'll be a spectacular opportunity for those who still have wealth that's recognized, and it won't be in the form of paper debt instruments or digital debt instruments. It'll almost certainly have to be in gold and or silver. So, I mean, we had a small sampling in 2009. Dow went to six thousand and gold went to two thousand. We had twenty dollar gold pieces go from twenty five hundred to five thousand. You know, and we had big spreads between bullion and the lower grades. The only problem then, and it would have continued, except they came in and they decided to save, uh, to save the banks and the corporations and the insurance companies. So, but we're at a time now. There's nothing left to save. You're going to save yourself. You're going to have to save yourself. So that was just a sampling. That was something to look back on and say, yeah, it's going to happen again, but only the Dow will probably go lower, and, of course, we know gold will go higher. 
And just think back, if the Dow would have stayed down there and gold would have kept going, look at what you you would have been able to purchase. Look at the, the prices of, of homes. Everything dropped. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, and that's not what we'll see in the future. We're going to see things far more depressed than what we experienced in 2008, 9, and 10. That was on a scale of like 10%, I believe, of what we're going to see in the future. I believe, you know, I've said this for years, my gut, and I can't give you a, and it's just gut, that's what it is, it's just uh, opinion, and without evidence of where you can prove this one way or another, but I don't believe for a minute they're going to pay 50% of the face value of the bonds. Nope. I don't know. You're going to lose anybody who's holding these bonds, your pension funds, whoever's holding these bonds, they're going to lose half of it minimum. No way. No way there's less than 50% lost. And I'm inclined to think more likely you're going to see an 80 to 90% of the face value of the bonds is going to be repudiated. And that if I'm right about that, 90%, if 80%, $20 trillion, I think it translates into it leaves those $20 trillion turned into $4 trillion. Uh, 16 trillion disappears. We're going to take a break, get a couple of commercials, be right back. Please stay tuned to Financial Survival. condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wspowerherbscom Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. I'm 
I'm Alfred Adas here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. What's next, Melody? You mentioned the per the perfect person to um, discuss Mr. this with, Mister mm-hmm. Madoff. Yeah, Bernie Madoff. <laughs> Bernie. He can explain. Bernie. He can explain Ponzi's schemes to you. Yeah, turn him <laughs> loose and let him go on the on the Work. talk show circuit where he says, "Look, let me tell you. You think I was running a Ponzi scheme? This was a triviality. You want to see a Ponzi scheme? Take a look at fractional reserve banking. Take a look at debt." monetary system. That's a Ponzi scheme. And let me explain to you how it's going to work out, because it is mathematically impossible for this to keep on working well. The only way this thing can hold together is after more debt and more debt and more debt and more debt. And how long, you know, it cannot work. Uh, you know, ultimately, nations are subject to the same kind of economic laws as families are. How long can you keep using your MasterCard to pay off your Visa, to pay off your American Express? How long can you keep going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into debt before the whole thing blows up in your face and you lose the house, the car, and the kids, and the wife, and everybody else are all gone? This is going to end badly. We just don't know when. That's the problem. There is the problem. We can speculate on when it's going to end. Anybody who looks at this, if you're hanging around this at all, you have to, you've been around this for five years. You have to know that we are closer to some sort of a catastrophe than we were five years ago. Does that mean it's five years away, ten years away, or five months away? I don't know. But there's nothing that absolutely says that this couldn't happen in a very short period of time. I mean, there's you got to give the devil his due. They've held this thing together for for decades. This thing should have blown up in everybody's face back the turn of the century, year 2000, thereabouts. We're deep enough. In, we could have had fun. It could have happened then. They've managed to put it off. They've managed to postpone and postpone. And I can't tell you how long they can succeed at doing that, but... You know, you just you, you just take the Trump administration right now. I mean, in the first couple of weeks, he has <laughs> something's happening, and Washington is suddenly on steroids and speed. Something's going on now in the midst of this these changes. These radical changes, on one hand, they're exhilarating. On one hand, they're, they're fun, they're exciting. On the other hand, they're not stable. And there's no telling what can be precipitated by massive change at this time, in my opinion, because the whole thing is so fragile to begin with. I mean, Trump is liable to do something in the next 30 days. It's going to be that we will all rue before this thing is over. It could happen just because there is so much instability right now. So can you make a prediction? Can anyone make a prediction? No, I can't. And I don't know anyone who can make an accurate prediction. Um, People may guess correctly, and then they'll be able to write a book how I guessed when the great when the greater depression was going to start, I picked it. I, I I told you, Melody, it was May fifteenth at four o'clock in the afternoon. That's when it would start. Well, somebody's going to do that, and they're going to be right. And they're going to make a fortune writing a book about it. But the truth is, everybody's just guessing right now. 
what do you know is when this is going to happen? But you can sit at it. Again, it's like being on the Titanic. We are going through water that's full of icebergs. It's conceivable we might make it to the other side, but there's a high probability we're going to have a problem. You know, and that's the way that's the way we look at it. At least Melody and I are looking at it. Look, the probability is high. It's not 100 percent, but it's high that we're going to see big trouble. And if we are about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> 99.9. Yeah, it's not it's not 100%, but high probability here, and that's what we're warning you about with this program, you know, and giving you an opportunity to consider even, our Al, reasoning and see if you think it's true or false, it's valid, invalid, but and then the, decide whether you want to get some gold or silver. But on the other hand, it doesn't even have to be the huge collapse. If they do or if they're able to continue it, we still have the problem of a fiat currency with inflation eating away people's purchasing power. That's a given. That That is 100%. That, that's the for sure. You're yeah. losing your purchasing power every single day mm-hmm. because of fiat currency. And, and the, way the evidence of that, that is that the dollar is worth maybe a nickel compared to what it was back in 1971, 45, 46 years ago. In the last 45 years, the dollar's lost 95% or more of its purchasing power. But, All right? Um, That's a trend, folks. That is a trend. The trend is your friend, or maybe the trend is your enemy. But it's telling you, look, we've lost 95% in the last 45, 46 years. How much, what's the probability that we are going to continue to lose more? We're going to go from 95 to 96, 97, 99 to 100% lost. And how soon? I mean, it's how, and at what point does the public finally say, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe this? The dollar has lost 95% of its value. What happens when the public figures that out? Something could blow up at any moment. You could see bank runs unlike anything the world has ever imagined before. Again, like we said in the previous segment of the program, this is the biggest Ponzi scheme the world has ever seen. There's nothing else to rival the Ponzi scheme that we have right now. How long can they hold it together? I don't know. But when it goes down, it's going to go kaboom. I mean, it'll be the crash around the world. Speaking of kabooms, I want to change pace here and just talk a little bit about uh, Iran. Uh, This morning, and I think this is why gold was up a little bit, it backed off since Nothing really happened. And, you know, 15 years ago, if this statement came out of the White House, gold would have went up $800. But, hey, we'll take the six bucks we got today. But today, President Donald Trump said that as nothing is off the table in dealing with Iran following its test launch of a ballistic missile. And his fellow Republicans in Congress said they would back him up with new sanctions. Uh, Paul Ryan, he says it's time that the United States should stop appeasing Tehran. He would be in favor of additional sanctions on Iran. He said uh, he'd like to put as much toothpaste back into the tube as possible. I think the last administration appeased Iran far too much. So um, we don't know. You know, there's discussion. Was Donald Trump putting that line in the sand like uh, uh, Obama did with Syria? I don't think it was that tough of a deal that nothing is off the table. We'll have to see what comes along with his national security advisor, Michael Flynn, put Iran on notice. We're not sure what that's all about. So 
uh, again, things are happening that... Um, when Trump says nothing's off the table, he means nothing, and he means he mean he's not just talking about sanctions. I mean that's all the further it may go. But anybody who I, I I can't imagine that Iran, if he said nothing's off the table, he means nuclear is possible. Yeah. I'm not saying he's going to do it, but he's leaving that door open. He's not saying, oh no, all we're all we're doing is just wrist slaps. That's all we have are wrist slaps. That's as far as we go. Nobody believes that. I mean, Trump has recently, just in the last day, <laughs> he's advised the president of Mexico that he's ready to send troops in there to get the bad guys, the bad hombres down in Mexico. Send American troops into Mexico to get the bad guys. And by that, I think what he means are the big drug dealers that are running almost their own armies and taking control of of provinces and cities and whatever in Mexico, he's saying, we'll, we'll get them. <laughs> and we may not even ask your permission to do it. We'll just come in and we'll handle your problem for it. Um, well, Trump is not a bashful boy. I don't know how this, I don't know how long this is going to last, but he's not bashful. And neither are his advisors. And yeah. that's, um, I'm not sure if there's, you know, if, well, I just believe sometimes you need to have a, a an opposite, you know, someone with a a little bit different opinion. I agree. To, just to soften things that you don't get all carried away in your own power, and so it, it can be very dangerous. I know. Uh, just like uh, with Australia and, and the refugees this morning. Um, I mean, why should that create? I mean, sure, you know, Australia is trying to dump their re refugees to the United States. It was an agreement that they made with Obama. And, and yeah, you could, you know, you could uh, uh, renege on refugees. They're Muslim refugees. You, well, you could renege on, on the agreement. I get that, but uh, which he probably should. Um, but there's ways to discuss it, and you know, and but hey, I'm not president, so you know, I I, I support the president, so we'll have to see. But I'm just glad just, to see just, Obama standing up and he's doing what's oh, right for this country, it. or at least talking about doing yeah, what's no. right. All right, we didn't even get that Obama. Oh yeah, we can take anybody. Send every idiot, send every idiot on the face of the earth. Come on up to this country, and we will put them on welfare. We'll support them, and if they bomb us or chop our heads off or whatever, well, that's all right. If they're Muslims and if they're from any other country, they don't know how to work, they don't, that's okay. We'll support them. No, we won't. And there's no reason why we should. Okay. Somebody's got to just draw a line there. I, the world is, gunnel, is, is, is up to the gunnels with refugees, with poor people. And it's a, sh it, it's a shame, it's a sad thing, but it is beyond the capacity of mortal man to resolve. Somewhere along those lines, along the lines of people that are unhappy with their own circumstances in their own country, instead of trying to emigrate to the United States, for example, they're going to actually have to fight it out in their own country and try to establish some kind of government, some kind of system that will actually serve the majority of the people rather than just cutting and running away. You know, I don't – my, all my grandparents were immigrants. All right. All of our grandparents. I, uh, yeah, even the Indians. Their 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 ancestors ultimately were immigrants coming over here. I have nothing against the immigrants. I admire them. I have a grandmother who at sixteen, she she worked her way. She saved enough money. She was a little Russian peasant 
and she saved enough money. She hitchhiked across, age 16, hitchhiked to, from someplace in Russia to Hamburg, Germany, where she had to beg the last quarter, the equivalent of a quarter, to pay for her steerage, passage steerage to New York City on a ship. I right, came to came to New York without a penny, and one thing happened. And the world worked; it was a good thing. But still, there are circumstances where I am skeptical about the value of immigrants who will not fight for freedom in their own country, because I don't believe they're going to fight for freedom in this country. I don't think they're coming here to enjoy freedom. I think they're coming here. To perhaps at least part of Mark coming here just to take advantage of welfare, and I don't. And then so far as that's true, maybe it's exaggerated. If it's true, you talk about immig- you talk about immigrants that work like your grandmother. Hmm? I've talked to people from the Philippines and and from Vietnam and who open up their little businesses, and I'll tell you what, they work their butts off. I understand. You know, they keep it in the family, and, and, and I'm not, you know, I, you know, they work, you know, they're open at 7 in the morning, they work till 9 at night. Oh, yeah. You know. And they may and, live in the back room. No, they, you know, they have homes, and they, they, they share their homes together, and so my point is, they work hard. Yep. I'm not saying Americans don't work hard, but I don't believe every immigrant that comes over here is just for the welfare. I agree with you. you. Know, so but there are a lot of people yeah, that come here, especially illegally. They don't have nothing to offer. Yeah. So, and they don't mind being criminals when they get here. And something's got to be done. But they do have hopes. I mean, they do have hopes. And you know, women. Um, you know, a lot of your name. You know, your your female shops, your your salons, and things like that. Or many of them are run by Asians and and, and the Philippines, and you know, so forth. Uh, I talked to a, a lady who actually used to do. Um, she used to do the pedicures for the Saudis' wives, the princesses and stuff. And she was from the Philippines, and she said it was horrible. She says it was so bad for women over there. She said she couldn't even walk across. She was scared to walk across the street. They in the Philippines? Them. No, this is in the South, in, in, okay. in Saudi Arabia. She was okay. from the Philippines. Oh, she was, she was from the Philippines, but she was working in Saudi Arabia. She was working in Saudi Arabia. Okay. And they actually, and she did the pedicures of the of, of the women of the, of that was married to the kings and so forth of the of the elite of the the royalty, and she said they would house us neck across the street and they'd have to cross the street every day, and she says I, I was scared to death to cross the street because they just pull you off the street and rape you. She says you you would you would be surprised how they treated you just walking across the street. She got fortunate. She was able to get into the United States, and you know she, you know, sent money home, brought her mother over here, sent money home to her grandmother, and all this kind of stuff. The things that you normally hear that the immigrants do. But again, they're hard workers. You can't fault that. And yet, I a lot of them are, but a lot of them are also gangsters. Kind of like the Americans too. You know, they make more money being on welfare than actually going out and working two jobs to make ends meet. So, I mean, I don't, you know, it's just like there's no clear cut. 
No, there's no clear cut, but there's got to be a line someplace, and the line has to yeah. do what's right for the American people rather than we can't just sing Kumbaya and bring every immigrant into this country who thinks it's a cool idea to stop in. I We're out of time, folks. We'll be back tomorrow. Melody and I will talk to you then. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Todd, the producer. Bye-bye. Never seems to be a single penny left for me. That's too bad. In my dreams, I have a friend. If I got me a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work at all. I'd pull around and have a Political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement.
people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
All right, there we are. Good afternoon, all. <laughs> Had my uh, microphone plugged into something else because I was trying to figure out a... Uh, well, never mind. It doesn't matter. I had it plugged in somewhere else. Now we're here. And, um... Boy, I tell you, the Internet is really pissing me off. I'll tell you what, you know. Anyway, let's see here. It is Thursday, February 2nd, 2017. And it's about almost 8 minutes after 2 p.m. Pacific time. If that's when it is where you're at, we're live. Uh, let's see, 541-826-0953. That one definitely works no sweat. But, that's right, we have another one. And uh, let's see, it's, I don't remember what it is. <laughs> it's a lot of fives in it. I know that. I'm not even in the chat room because, oh, did I mention the Internet's really pissing me off? Yeah. Well, that's what's been taking up uh, my day so far is trying to get it to work right. But, hey, you know, whatever. I'm sure everybody out there has these problems, too. So I'll just quit whining and get on with the, uh, get on with the shoe. Okay, so, you know, here's the headline on the Drudge Report. Controversy after Special Forces Convoy flies Trump flag. Now, you've all heard about this, and yeah, it's true. It really happened and all that. And now, some jerk from the Navy saying, well, yeah, it's unauthorized, and we're going to see if, uh, you know, punishment or something uh, is going to happen. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hang on here, Jose. Um, Trump is the commander-in-chief. This ain't a campaign anymore. He's not a candidate anymore. This is not partisan anymore when you're in the military. Donald Trump is the commander-in-chief of the special forces, of the whole stinking Navy, of the Army, of all the military, of the Coast Guard, all of them. Commander-in-chief. So, exactly how is it controversial that any group of military people flying a Trump flag, how is that controversial? Hey, our commander-in-chief. How is it controversial for military men to support the commander-in-chief. What the hell? Are you kidding me? Are you crazy? Or are you stupid? What is up with this, huh? I mean, honestly. Now, get this. It's, who is this here? It's Lieutenant Jacqui. That's J-A-C-Q-U-I. So, I don't know how you say it, and I don't really care. Jacqui Maxwell. Hmm. A spokesperson for Naval War Special Warfare Group. Okay? Uh... 
defense, this is what he says, Defense Department and Navy regulations prescribe flags and pennants that may be displayed as well as the manner of display. The flag shown in the video was unauthorized. Really? So the if the inquiry determines that there was misconduct involved in the incident, Maxwell said the unit commander will make a dis disposition decision as to the appropriate administrative or disciplinary action. Oh, really? Well, I'll tell you what. If I was commander-in-chief right now, I'd tell whoever this punk is and whoever his punk commander is to say, listen, you, you know what? If the troops want to fly flags with my name on it, it's fine with me. And I'm the commander-in-chief, and I'm making the rules here. And those of you out there that think, well, that isn't fair. That's not the way rules. Oh, but in the military, that is the way rules are made. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, you, you think on a Navy ship that the captain ain't in charge out on that boat? Really? Is that what you think? You think he holds a committee and says, okay, everybody, let's have a vote about what we all think we ought to do. Let's have a vote about what we all think that uh, ought to be okay and ought to not be okay. Yeah, let's do that. Let's stop the ship and have a vote. You think that's what goes on? Well, no, it doesn't go on. I can guarantee you that. And a captain of a ship is akin on a smaller scale, to the commander-in-chief of the military forces. Now, the only thing he's not supposed to be allowed to do, which, of course, Congress has stuck their head up their butt and allowed this to happen, the president's not supposed to be allowed to just start a war with somebody and just go, hey, I'm doing this on my head. We're sending people here and there and wherever else, and we're going to bomb everybody everywhere. See, to declare war is supposed to be Congress's job, but they gave that up long ago. They gave that up in they gave that up for Korea. Okay? They've been giving that up since Korea. I mean, and every president since has gone somewhere to bomb somebody about something. So I, I just don't get this that the media is making this, and that these the, this piece of garbage in the in the navy is actually, oh well, you know it's unauthorized. What 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 really? Okay, so I I'm not supposed to support the commander in chief. I don't think so. I don't think that's controversial, and it just goes to speak to the idiot so-called comedian. Silverstein, or whatever her name is, Silverman, or whatever. Yeah, she's this millionaire biatch, so-called comedian, who's calling for a military coup to remove Trump. Hey, listen, doll baby, the, me the military supports Trump. Oh, and so does uh, like 60% of America, regardless of the Democratic Party's lies about, oh, we, she won the, the, the uh, popular vote. You notice how the uh, media has shut their traps about that? Do you know why they shut their traps about that? Because Trump said, really, you know what? We're going to audit these states. We're going to audit New York. We're going to audit California. We're going to audit these places and see how many illegal aliens, how many dead people 
voted, and how many absentee ballots didn't get counted. We're going to audit all that. Oh, so they've shut up about that after they said, well, isn't that petty? Isn't that petty? You know, these people are mentally ill, possessed by Satan. I don't know what else, but they're not. These people are just, they're like little children who grew up getting awards just for showing up. Oh, yeah, you lost your ass, you played like crap, you suck at what you do, but you got an award. Because, well, we didn't want to hurt your little feelings. We didn't even keep score. Everybody got an award. Now you're all grown up and you figure, yeah, let's have an election. Okay, we lost, but I still want well, I still want what I want. I should still get what I want, even though we lost. Where's my award for voting? I voted. They said get out and vote, so I got out and voted, and now I don't get what I want. Well, that's because you lost, Snowflake. You lost. Remember what your half-black Muslim homosexual president said? Elections have consequences. And listen, I'm not delusional to think that (laughs) the consequences of this last election are all going to be good, because I don't think they are. I don't think they're all going to be good. Sure, I like what I see so far. But, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, everything's going to be okay. Anyway. Huh. On Tuesday evening, President Donald Trump nominated Neil Gorsuch for deceased Supreme, uh, murdered, murdered by the New World Order liberals. Sorry. See, the communists thought, well, we'll just kill the Supreme Court justice. Then we'll get our half-black, homosexual, Muslim, traitor, communist president to nominate another one. Well, that didn't work out because the Senate said, no, you don't. You know, okay, look, we're not going to charge you all with murder, but you're not getting another Supreme Court justice. No. Um, he, uh, for uh, Scalia's uh, long, empty seat. On Wednesday morning, liberals woke up, did the math, and realized it's time to be concerned about Ruth, Gator, Ru- Ruth Bader Ginsburg's fiber intake. Also, bone density. Also, exposure to airborne viruses. Madam Justice, what is your flu shot status? Yeah. Hey, I think old Ruth ought to go get a flu shot right away. Maybe four or five of them. Yeah, I think Ruth Bader Ginsburg ought to be getting lots of immunizations. I'll tell you why in a minute. And salmonella and slippery ice. And also, has anyone heard how scientists are coming along with Zika vaccine? I'm very interested in this, says Jeanette Bavidinsky, a community organizer in Pennsylvania. Ha! Communist organizer. I'm interested in what her daily regime is like. What are you all, what are you all feeding RBG? What are you all feeding her? Wait a minute. Is this a Supreme Court justice or some pet? What do you mean, what am I feeding her? Who's feeding her? Is somebody feeding her? 
She can't feed herself? Are you kidding me? I'm sorry, folks. If you can't feed yourself, uh, I don't think you ought to be sitting on any court, and certainly not the highest court in any in any country. Are you kidding me? Who's feeding her? What do you mean, who's feeding her? Holy smokes, who's feeding her? I'm interested in what her daily regime is. Like, uh, is she getting enough fresh air? Is she walking? Is she staying low stress? Sure, she's a Supreme Court justice. That's a low stress job, isn't it? Are you kidding me? What is she reading? Is she reading low stress things? Can she eat more kale? Unbelievable. You got to be kidding me, man. Ginsburg's 83 years old. She's the oldest justice by more than three years. And she is a firm communist. Okay? You know, but what if Ginsburg retires? What if Ginsburg, she's not going to retire while Trump's in there. Okay? She's going to have to die or she won't be replaced. That's it. She's not leaving. She already said she's not leaving. She'll sit up there unconscious and passed out if she has to. What if Ginsburg gets sick and, need, sick and needs a leave of absence? Leave of absence? There's no such thing as a leave of absence on the Supreme Court. You can either do your job or you get replaced, I'd say. What if Trump ends up replacing Ginsburg? Yeah, what if? <laughs> well, see, this is one of those things that I, look, I'll be honest with you. We need some kind of balance on the Supreme Court. I mean, look at the horrible liberal decisions they've made in the past. That ought to show you that we need balance. Because, folks, if you're clueless enough to believe that, oh, Republican conservatives, well, they'd never make any bad decisions. Are you kidding me? They are just every bit as capable of making horrible decisions as the liberals are. Oh, sure, there'll be different kind of horrible decisions. But there'll be horrible decisions nevertheless. This is why balance is important. Now, yeah, do I want Roe v. Wade overturned? You bet I do. This country has too much baby blood on its hands. Okay? And I don't really care what the liberals think, and I certainly don't care what any women think. Because you know what? Any woman out there that wants to say, and man... But, you know, I haven't really run into a lot of men that say, eh, you know, women should have the right to kill babies. Because, well, I don't hang out with liberals. So I'm sure there's men, uh, uh, males, okay, males. I don't want to give them the credit of being a man because they're really not. Just because they got something hanging between their legs doesn't make them a man. It makes them male, okay? <laughs> Unless, of course, you wake up one day and go, I feel pretty. And then, well, I guess things are different. But the thing is, the women out there that claim, hey, 
It's my body. I can do what I want. You know what? I agree with that to the point where it is your body. But you see, that baby is not your body anymore. That's not your body. That's a baby, for crying out loud. That's not you. It's not your body. Now, hey, you want to go kill yourself? Go ahead. You know, I think suicide's wrong. I don't think God likes it. But you know what? That is your choice. If you want to go out and kill yourself, then by all means, go out and kill yourself. It's your body. But that doesn't mean you can go kill somebody else. And why? Oh, well, you know, because they're inconveniencing my lifestyle and they're interfering with my work. So uh, I'm going to kill them. Well, if that's going to be the case, I have a list. Okay? But see, I'm not allowed to do that. So why are women allowed to do that? Well, because of Roe v. Wade, which was based on a fraud. Okay? That's not their real names. And she's recanted the whole thing. It's the biggest mistake she ever made in her life. Oh, and you know what? You black women out there, you are dumb as rocks. Because, I mean, you can sit there and squeal all day long about racism, racism, racism. Because uh, somebody called you the N-word. Ooh. Well, you know what? I'd say, and I'm just guessing here, that being called the N-word is a whole lot less damaging than genocide on your whole race. Yeah, what do you think of that? Because Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, who, of course, your gal, Hillary Clinton, admired, was a, eugenic, was a eugenicist who believed that blacks should be exterminated, sterilized. Why do you think places like New York City, Liberal Central, there are more black babies aborted than there are black babies born? You don't see that as a problem? You don't see that as racism? You don't see that as eugenics? You don't see that as genocide? But somebody calls you a name and you're, you're going to have a hissy fit, right? Wow, are you ever screwed up and stupid? And honestly, folks, I believe the only time an abortion should be allowed is when the mother's life is truly in danger. Really. And I would make the same standards, which I think are wrong, but those are the standards. You know, you get two doctors. Hey, two doctors can get together and get anybody locked up. Oh, yeah, he's crazy. What do you say? Yeah, I say he's crazy, too. Okay, we both say he's crazy. Lock him up. Well... If it takes two doctors to lock somebody up, then I think it should take two doctors to approve and say, well, yeah, this woman's life is in danger. And and I wouldn't even make it a 50% chance. You know, if there's even as low as a 20% chance you could die, then I think abortion should rightfully be a choice because everyone has the right to self-defense. 
then I realize the baby isn't deliberately trying to kill the mom. But, you know, it doesn't matter. I don't care. It's like the crackhead, man, who's, uh, you know, high on PCP and uh, drunk off his butt, you know, standing in my driveway shooting, shooting a gun in my direction. He might not know what he's doing, and I don't really care. He has to be put down. That's just the way, you know, hey, I'm sorry, okay, you don't know what you're doing, but you see, what you're doing is you're putting my life in danger, and I have to put an end to that, which means an end to you. So I do believe in self-defense. But, uh, you know, oh, and by the way, there should be also reviews and serious penalties. If two doctors collude to lie to provide an abortion to a woman whose life really was not in danger, they should be put in prison for the rest of their lives. You know, that's my uh, view on Roe v. Wade. And yeah, a conservative justice in there might get that sucker overturned. And that's a good thing. But these conservative judges, these Republican conservative judges... Uh, they can come up with other bad stuff, folks, that you might think is, uh, oh, well, hey, yeah, law and order, that's great. Yeah, okay, we're going to rule that. Uh, and they've already diminished this, okay? Your Fourth Amendment, your Fifth Amendment, ah, that's not really a Fourth Amendment, right? Ah, that's not. You see, folks, we don't need conservatives, and we don't need liberals, because you know what? Those are political positions. And I don't really care what the judge's political position is. I want somebody who is a constitutional purist on the bench. Somebody who says, well, it says, shall not be infringed. Well, that means you can't infringe. Infringe means you can't do anything. So, screw you. You might want to do this. You might think it's a good idea, but no, it's not legal. You can't do it. No, because that's what it says. That's what I want. I want constitutional purists on the Supreme Court of the United States of America. I'd like to see them on every court in America, but hey, I keep dreaming, right? I'm just saying, when we get into this whole, well, conservative, yeah, that's going to be great. Yeah, that's going to be really great. And we get some conservatives in there, things will be really great. No, no. Conservative is a political movement, okay? Just like liberals are. What we need when we're talking about the court is a constitutional constructionist. Somebody who takes the Constitution for what it says, for what the intent of the founders was. And all the laws in the nation have to fit into that box. We are supposed to be free. We are supposed to be exercising liberty. It's like the stinking state says, well, I got the police powers. Because it says right here uh, that I'm supposed to uh, ensure public health, safety, and order. And they always leave out. Liberty. They're supposed to promote liberty. So any police action that your state takes that, okay, I see, 
Uh, it's promoting order. Okay, that's pretty easy. You know, you could basically say that about any law. Yeah, it's promoting order. All right. Health and safety? Ah, they stretch it and they make up things and they can say, well, you know, kind of could kind of make people safer, maybe. But hey, early raises a lot of money and that's what we really need. But, you know, okay, it might save some lives. Might It might make things safer. Okay, maybe. So we got order and we got that and that's good. But what about liberty? How does it promote liberty? Nobody seems to ask that. And that is part of the police power. It is the balancing of the police power. See, the, the state just thinks, no, we can make any law uh, that has law and order and, uh, you know, basically keeps people safe. Yeah, that's it. We can do anything. We got the police power. No, you can do anything for that that also promotes liberty. People need to start suing their state over that because they're not doing it. Oh, and listen up, Oregon, because you know what? If I even have to talk to you, that's what's going to happen. Because, uh, you know what? Uh, you know, this this governor that we have in this state, this lesbian freak that, you know, only got in there because the last governor was such a crook and a whoremonger that he couldn't, you know, he, he couldn't even finish his term. And, of course, you know, oh, well, an incumbent, and she's a Democrat, so Portland. And now she's going, well, we need to oppose Trump. Well, take a look at the map of Oregon, folks. You know, the red-blue map of all the counties? Almost all of Oregon is red. Five counties are blue. Maybe six this time. Are blue out of 36 counties. That woman up there does not represent this state. She represents those six counties. But hey, you know what? I'm not calling for her assassination like people are about Trump. I don't like her being governor. I don't agree with anything she says, and I'll oppose everything she wants to do. But I'm not calling for her death just yet. But they are for Donald Trump. Millionaire comedians. Yeah, calling for military coups. Wow. Anyway, got to take a break. We'll be back in a bit.
jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com. Or simply call 316 Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steffen. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is about 2.44 and a half out here on the Pacific Time Coast, and it's Thursday, February 2nd, 2017. Man, February already. Oh, boy. Anyhow, uh, 541-826-0953. You can use that until I can memorize the new 800 number, except it's not an 800 number. It's an 855 number. It's toll-free. Uh, believe me, it's much better, even though I have to pay 28.4% tax on it. Did you know that? 28.4% of the cost of the toll-free number is tax. Isn't that swell? Wow, that's great, isn't it? Man. Uh, anyway, so it's a better deal than the other one, and it'll end up working out real well. And it's a real easy to remember number i just you know i'm old so i have a uh i have an excuse uh and i had a misguided youth too so you know this is just fortunate that i can remember my name all right but anyway let's get to some stuff here other stuff more stuff things and stuff you've heard of betsy DeVos, right she's uh trump's pick for Department of Education, and of course, you know, the liberals are all bent out of shape, and the two scumbag, like that one from Alaska, that Murkowski, who stole that election up there through the Alaska, you know, the Alaskan political system is so corrupt, folks, that you have no idea, because it's this humongous state with hardly no people in it. And they have just a couple of families running the whole thing. And they do what they want. It's like Boss Hog running a whole state. And they're way up there. Nobody gets there. Nobody cares about Alaska that much. So nobody really knows unless you pay attention and look what's going on. The Murkowski family are a bunch of crooks, okay? And so is she. And her and her buddy in Maine there that call themselves Republicans, and they aren't, of course, they say, well, I just can't vote for her. I just can't vote for her. And why is that? Why can't you just vote for her? What's the big deal? Department of Education. It ought to be shut down anyway. But, I mean, the thing is, if we're going to have it, hey, how about somebody who is against Common Core and pro-homeschooling? Oh, now we see why they're against it. Devolves issued a statement clarifying that she is not a supporter of Common Core, period. Have organizations that I have been a part of supported Common Core? Of course. But that's not my position. Sometimes it's just not, it's not just students who need to do their homework. <laughs> However, along the way, it got turned into a federalized boondoggle. After all, above all, I believe every child, no matter their zip code or their parents' jobs, deserves access to quality education. Well, me too, but you're not going to get it in the public school system, and I don't care what your zip code is. Because, you see, whatever your zip code is, those liberal communist teachers that are in your school didn't come from your town. They didn't come from your zip code. They came from some liberal college somewhere that taught them how to be basically worldwide communist revolutionary organizers. And that's what they are, and that's all they are. Yes, being a teacher used to be an honorable profession, but it isn't anymore. 
Sorry. Parents no longer believe that one-size-fits-all model of learning needs, needs, uh, meets the child, needs of every child. Well, of course not. Because what Common Core has done is they've said, well, no child left behind. So how we're going to do that, we're not going to separate the dummies out of your class, okay? We're not going to do that. We're not going to take the dumb kids and put them in, say, remedial. Remember that? Oh, we had that when I was in school. If you couldn't keep up, you went to the remedial math class. I went to the remedial math class, folks. Oh, I didn't have to go to the remedial. Uh, actually, you know, I didn't have to go to the remedial anything else, just math. But we don't do that anymore because, well, that would hurt their little self-esteem and then that would ruin them for life. Of course, they learn things, but, oh, well, that doesn't make up for self-esteem, now, does it? And we don't separate the really smart kids who are getting bored because they're having to wait for even the average kids. And we don't put them in a, uh, you know, an advanced class. No, we don't do that anymore. Because, well, that would make all the other kids feel bad. No, we put them all in one class, and then we say, well, because no child can be left behind... We will teach to the absolute lowest common denominator. That means the idiot in the class. Everybody's going to have to slow down to make way for the retarded kid. And we're all going to have to wait for him to stop drooling and be able to say cat. And now we can move on. Yeah, and we do that for 12 years. That's no child left behind. And listen, I'm not saying retarded kids shouldn't get an education, but they can't hold everybody else up. They need special attention, obviously, just like the smart kids need special attention. They need to be kept engaged. They're too smart for their own good. But we're not doing any of that. Yeah, parents no longer believe that one-size-fits-all model. Well, golly, are you telling me, parents, Joe and Jane Lunchbucket out there are smarter than the highly educated university teachers? Really? Yeah, really. And uh, she adds that she's a firm believer that parents should be empowered to choose the learning environment that's best for their individual children. That means homeschooling. That's homeschooling. Yeah, hey. Uh, look. Hey, I think the Department of Education should be scuttled. Honestly, I do. And you know what? Uh, this would not even be an emergency, okay? I mean, there are agencies there that if you just scuttled them tomorrow, it would be a big, you know, be a big mess. It's not that we couldn't get through the big mess and straighten it out. But, uh... The Department of Education could go to away tomorrow, and there'd be no trouble at all. Now, the only trouble is all this federal money that the local schools get. But you know what? The federal government could just say, look, okay, we're shutting down the Department of Education, and we're firing everybody, and be lucky we don't execute you, all right? So, oh, yeah, all that money. Well, okay, tell you what. Next year... You get what you got this year. 
and you'll get what you got last year minus 10% every year until you're not getting any more federal money. Why should the, why does it cost so much to teach kids to read and write? I mean, where's all this cost coming from? Oh, those, you know, horse-choking benefit packages? Could that be it? Well, then they just need to stop. And if the teachers' unions don't like it, hey, guess what? Well, let's go back to Ronald Reagan. You're all fired. We'll hire new teachers. What do you think? Hey, no more union. Bye-bye. I mean, honestly, folks, these are your children. Remember, it's all about the children. We're all supposed to love our children. Isn't that what we hear day in and day out? I mean, everybody says they love all these children, but nobody ever does anything for their benefit. They just keep doing the same failed things over and over and over and over again. Let's get to some hypocrisy, shall we? Because you know what? Reading the news and listening to these liberals, it's just, it's just enough to piss off the Pope, as they say. Because, I mean, okay, look, it'd be one thing if it's like, okay, these people just disagree with me, and they're, you know, they're acting out, and they're throwing a fit, and I can live with that, okay? I can live with that and say, okay, fine, and when you do something I don't like, I'll act out and throw a fit too, and, and that's just how we'll do things, and I'm okay with that. That's not what's making me angry. What's making me angry is these people are going, how dare you? You just fired the, the, the DOJ girl. Oh, my gosh, how dare you? This is so wrong. That You know, just because she was a Democrat, just because Obama put her in there, oh, my gosh, how can you just fire her like that? Well, really? Remember when Bill Clinton ordered Janet Reno to fire all Republican U.S. attorneys in 1993. Do you remember that? Yeah, there were 93 of them. 93 of them. Fire them all. Not because they're not doing their job. Because they're Republicans. And hey, we got favors to pay back. And that's 93 favors we can pay back right there. The younger generation really can't fathom why Hillary Clinton had such a lukewarm support. The Clintons really have had one of the most corrupt political and personal lives ever. You know, I mean, it's just it, it's just unbelievable. These kids, I mean, but then again, the kids didn't even like Hillary Clinton. They wanted Bernie Sanders, the communist. Oh, hey, how you feeling, Snowflake? How does it feel to get bent over the hood by somebody you trusted, huh? Yeah, because old Bernie sold you out because you know what? Bernie Sanders got robbed in the primaries. Mostly, he got robbed throughout the whole thing, but the big robbery came in California. Because old Bernie won California. Hey, well, except for those million shredded votes. Yeah, those went away, so Bernie lost. How's that feel? You know, and, and you know... Of course, Bernie got up, and he protested, and he said, hey, wait a minute. Oh, no, Bernie didn't do that. What Bernie did was Bernie took a free 
600 million uh 600,000 dollar house as a thank you for keeping his mouth shut. How's that feel, snowflake? Donald Trump didn't do that to you. Bernie Sanders did. Where did he get the six hundred uh thousand dollars to pay for that house? He didn't. Oh, and I think it's like his third house or something. You know? I mean, honestly, folks. Now, here's something that I'm going to touch on tonight, just to let you know how critical NAFTA is for Mexico. Yeah, we'll go into that, because, you know, that could be going away, and I hope it does. That's another thing, you know, that I think is really good. NAFTA, I listen, when Bob Dole, you remember him, don't you? When Bob Dole flew into Medford, Oregon, on his campaign deal, it was a rainy, drizzly afternoon. And I was standing out at the airport with a big sign on a stick that one side said, no NAFTA, and the other side said, no GAT. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't allowed into the, 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 the building to actually hear Bob Dole talk, which I wasn't really interested in what Bob Dole had to say anyway. But I was the only one. I was I got on I got on local television here to rebut their professional, you know, in-house commentator who was of course for NAFTA. His biggest argument was, well, hey, Washington state's going to be able to sell apples to China. <laughs> well, golly, I guess that was impossible before NAFTA and GAT, huh? I was way against it, and I'm still way against it. It was a bad mistake. It's a bad mistake now. It'll always be a bad mistake, and I'll be glad when it's over, if it ever does end. But I mean, honestly, hey, here's some good news. Yeah, how about some good news? You know, it's about time for some good news, isn't it? I mean, the show's almost over, so how about some good news here? Well, Wyoming... Uh, Wyoming's going to be getting rid of uh, gun-free zones. That's right. They're going to let uh, people carry guns. You know, and this day, if you have whatever you need to carry a gun, you're going to be able to carry a gun in school or anywhere else in Wyoming, which is, you know, I don't know. You know, this goes back to what I, where I started with the constitutional purist on the court. Who says, oh, well, gee, what's this, what's this here? Shall not be infringed. Oh. Well, hey, wait a minute. I guess that means we can't do all this stuff. I guess that means we can't infringe on you. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, I got to go. I'll be back again tonight. We really got a full day today, so don't go anywhere, folks. And as always, thanks for listening.
political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement.
a one-hour prophecy program on the American Voice Radio Network, featuring Pastor Dan of the Messiah's Branch Ministry. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Greetings, saints, and welcome to the Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour. We are broadcasting live from the Flint Hills of Kansas, and we're on the American Voice Radio Network. Today's date is February 2nd, 2017. the world is in turmoil. Most just don't realize it, but we are in that time at the end. And it's the, that's the time before Messiah's glorious return. Yes, turmoil. Look around the United States. We see colleges burning up. We have uh, crowds at the airport with consistent riots. I call them riots by the leftists, destroying even their own property. We have this going on worldwide. Things like this are happening. Prophecy is happening, one thing after another after another, and yet the American prophets are sitting back, and most of them are going, oh, Donald Trump got uh, president, so I guess everything changed. Really? There is so much going on, you just don't get it. You just don't get it. So it's time to get out of sin, the world, and look to the holy city. Look to the one who suffered and died for you. Hear the sound of that so far? Heed the warning. Get right now before it's too late. Please make this choice tonight. If you need help after this program, call me. I'll pray for you or with you. If you get the machine, please leave your name, your number, prayer request, and or message. The phone number, of course, is 620-878-4682, 620-878-4682. And I cannot emphasize to you how dire the time is. You really need, and we're praying we can keep informed. The devil's coming out in all kinds of attacks against us. Even just uh, my poor wife, she has these, the, you know, we keep, we live in a, a rural community. You know, we got about a half a block in this little community and she has chickens and ducks. And, you know, she loves them. They're her pets. Yeah, we get eggs from them. And you know what happened? Uh, this might not sound like a lot to you, but it was devastating to her. Some wild dogs come over and slaughtered all of them, and she's just to tears. But this is one of many attacks that just keep coming against us, one thing after another after another, and trying the devil hitting our finances. You know, um, when I thought December was bad, but January was like somebody pulled the plug out of the bathtub, and I'm sitting there, um, you know, with nothing. And so we really, really do need you, your help. That you can always find updates with the breaking news, our, uh, the Wichita Mission Church, radio program archives, contact information, all at our ministry hub, which is simply prophecyhour.com, prophecyhour.com. And you can find ways to donate over there. The devil is trying to stop this radio program, but I believe it belongs to the Father. So pray about supporting it, radio and supporting Wichita Mission uh, Church. 
remember, you can send us prayer requests. We'll take them to Wichita Mission Church, anoint them with oil, and pray over them. Send them back to you if you want them. Anyway, there's also a prayer request form on the right-hand side of ProphecyHour and MessiahsBranch.com pages. Remember, we are a national satellite radio program, which is simulcast live on the net internationally. It's also live right now on YouTube, and it has, and it's also on some FM stations, let alone goes to podcasts all over the world. Pray about support and airtime. We do need your help. On another note, let's thank our listener base. That's in places like Jerusalem, Israel, Manila, Philippines, the Cape Town, South Africa, San Diego, Chile, and of course, cities here in the good old USA. And let's not forget, they are even listening. The Russians are even listening in Moscow. Anyway, Houston, Texas, Washington D.C., Dallas, Texas. Plano, Texas, Lexington, Kentucky, Long Beach, California, San Jose, California, all over the United States, as well as Wichita, Kansas, which remains the largest group of listeners to our radio programs when they come to podcast later tonight. And you folks that listen to Wichita, I cannot emphasize on how bad we need blankets and coats and things. Pray about bringing them in and even donating food. Now, I need to get on with this so we can get our guest on for a very important program tonight. And I pray you open your ears. Dear Heavenly Father, in Yeshua, Hamashiach's name, I pray. Father, I pray that radio night goes according to your will and not mine, nor our guest will. But, Father, give everyone out there ears and wish to hear the truth and understand the truth. Lift the veil. In Yeshua Hamashiach's name, amen and amen. Well, our guest tonight uh, is Steve Henderson. He spent the last 30 years as a pastor, evangelist, and equipper in a ministry. In the last several years, Steve has been called into the area of teaching prophecy. You should go to his blog, The Sure Word of Prophecy. Um, that's surewordofprophecy.org, I think it is. Yeah. Anyway, go over there and check it out. Most of you know Steve. More about him later, but let's just get Steve on. Steve, I hear tonight you're going to talk about the convergence of the prophets' writing. So welcome, Steve. Grace and peace to you, Pastor Dan. I'm humbled by your invitation and delighted to be on your program again. Thank you for uh, so well, much for thinking of me and uh, and this great important program. Well, you always have something great to talk about. Um, but, you know, I'm really with you on the convergence of the prophets' writings. You sent me the little note after I invited you on. said, well, this is what we'll talk about. I see so many, there's so many American prophets, and I'll call them, or Western prophets, whatever you want to call them, or ministry people, whatever, that have just since the Trump presidency, it's like they crawled in a hole and they're waiting for something to happen because they can't figure out what's next because of this. They're blind. They're not seeing what all's happening in the Middle East. They're not seeing what's happening with Persia. They're not seeing what's right in front of your, their eyes. Uh, do you see any of this? I, I think it's so significantly clear that we're looking, Brother Dan, at, at many prophecies converging together. Little pieces of the prophetic puzzle blending into a huge portrait of the coming final days before King Yeshua returns to give his reward to us. And I, eternal life, my friend, wow, just around the corner, and, and we ought to be wide awake. You know, the scripture declares uh, that the wise will be sleeping uh, at a certain time, and I think the wise are flat-busted asleep. And it's mind-blowing to be here in our day watching the prophet's writings come alive and jump right out of the book and into the world scene. And a lot I agree with you, brother. A lot of the world's uh, uh, pastors and uh, evangelists uh, don't have a thing to say about it. 
Yeah, amen. Uh, they're they're just blind. I mean, a lot of them were so outspoken. They got. I guess they were disappointed. I I, I don't know what else to say. They had based everything on you know Obama bringing the whole world down and him staying in office, or else he'll, then they, they when it got to look like he was going to leave office, you know, willfully, they said, well, he'll still be in office because Hillary will be a continuation of Obama, so that'll be Obama. And then it didn't happen, and they're like. What? You know, they just weren't focused on the Bible, were they? I mean, what what do you think happened with all that? Well, I'm going to give you a good idea here in just a little bit of what I think is taking place as far as President Trump and the odds of him being put in the presidency and where this is all heading. You know, brother, we're, we're admonished and warned time and time again to watch so be not caught off guard, and to pray that you do not enter into temptation. Watch and pray the thief is on his way. Yeshua warned us, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. And I, as I scan Pastor Dan, the base of the Christian sector, it alarms me on how many are dull of hearing, and they turn their ears from the truth and turn to fables. And many are coming up this time and going to be caught with their pants plumb off. I, I believe that. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm in total agreement with you. They need to, they, you know, they, I don't know. The, the, the generality in the pastors have been leaving the world of, of prophecy or even talking about salvation. I was talking to a man at the gym last night, and we got into a conversation because the news was on, and he was telling me about how he had contacted several churches to do a project, and they said, well, we're not talking about salvation right now. What do you mean? Mainstream church not talking about salvation? <laughs> you know, if it weren't so sad, it'd be, it'd be funny, but uh, it's, it's pathetic. You know, the, the attitudes that permeate uh, even the Christian sector. You know, prophecy demands that we pay attention. You know, uh, it says that we have a more sure to word of prophecy that you do well to take heed, Pastor Dan. And remember the prophet's writings about uh, the last day? It says, and knowing this first, there will be scoffers that will come in, in the last day, walking the court of their own lust, saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since our fathers fell asleep, all things just continue the way they were since the beginning of creation. And this kind of attitude is all over the place. Those who have turned from the truth, scoffers and hypocrites, they, they forget that all the former declarations that came from Yahweh's mouth came to pass exactly as he said they would. A few paid attention, but most didn't. Uh, those who have heeded the warning have been the ones who seemed to fare much better. For example, you know, uh, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear and prepared an ark for the saving of his household. You know, um, if we see these things coming to pass for eyes, we need to be and, and divinely warned of the things to come. We should be moving with godly fear and be preparing the ark for the saving of our own households. And the salvation should be the essence of, 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 of a man in his own home, first of all. And then once he's got his, his home saved, then he goes out from there and becomes a light to the world, a city that's set on a hill that cannot be hidden. You know, and, and we just we just don't get it nowadays. We're too uh, too involved with us for no more shut the door attitude. And if you don't believe the way I do, brother, we'll go down the road. You know, and and we're, the, the Christian sector is so divided that uh, we we're we're so heavenly minded we can't be any earthly good anymore. Amen. 
Yeah, amen. And, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. You know, the scriptures fit perfectly with what's going on. And these people that are that are not doing salvation right now or not doing prophecy right now, they are fulfilling prophecy right now. You know what I'm saying? And so, absolutely, absolutely. So, I'm really waiting. I really want to hear what you got to say tonight. And so, you know, I'll just butt in and comment as we go along. But, uh, you know, let's warn the people, brother. Well, my friend, uh, and again, I, I thank you for letting me share my heart here. I think that people need to hear a straight message, not a watered down one. And, you know, you show up for total day like, like Noah's day. Uh, if he was warned and, and, and made an ark, you know, it said that they, they ate and they drank. They married wives, given a marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. And it would happen the same way before the Son of Man returns. And it kind of sounds like the day we're in, a world full of distraction and deception. And, you know, we're, we're in that day. I mean, people are just so full of distractions that we cannot uh, get get the things done that, that God has called us to do, even in, within the body of Yeshua. And all these prophecies I mentioned thus far, Pastor Dan, are, are here in our faces and are converging together, and there's much more, much more, brother. Um, and I stop to think, I'm going to switch gears uh, in my remark you made about uh, the changeover of, of the presidency. When I, you know, when I hear of President Trump's remarks that he's going to make America great again, it, it uh, sets me back to the story of the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar, who Yahweh used for his purpose. He was called by Yahweh himself uh, to do a, a work among his own people. And the king made a proclamation very similar to President, President Trump's. <laughs> the prophet Daniel tells us of a watcher that was found there in that particular setting, uh, who uh, in the book of Daniel chapter 4, I'll just read uh, just a... A couple of verses here. Um, it's chapter 4 and verse 13. We'll start there. And in that time when Nebuchadnezzar got big-headed and he said, uh, you know, i got a great nation, it's me that did this and that, and there's a watcher, the book says, a holy one, coming down from heaven, and he cried with a loud voice and said, chop down the tree and cut off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit, let the beast get out from under it, and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze, in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him gaze with the beast of the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man, and let a, uh, him be given a heart of a beast, and let seven times pass over him. This decision is by the decree of the watchers, and a sentence by the word of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will, and sets it over to the lowest of men. And Daniel, before time, uh, had told that great leader something else that I think is vitally important as we begin to consider uh, what, uh, what's taking place with our President Trump here. He said to uh, King David together, Yahweh changes the times and seasons, and he rules kings and raises up kings. And he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. Pastor Dan, I'm going to tell you, I believe there is a setup taking place here. Consider the odds of Donald Trump reaching the presidency 
And I'm certain that the almighty God of heaven has risen up, risen up this man for this time to accomplish his purpose. The right. prophet's writings are all coming together. They are converging into what anyone who is watching would call the final days of Earth's history. President Trump is a man of the hour. The whole world is watching his every move. Some have had their hope restored, trusting that we might be able to bail ourselves out of all these problems that are all around us. Others are out in the streets. One big celebrity has said that she thought about blowing up the White House, for crying out loud. Even former President Obama was in a headline article from the Times of Israel a couple of days ago entitled, Obama Praises Anti-Trump Protesters Across the U.S. The caption says in this article, Former President Hardened by Public's Activism Says Ban on Muslims Not American. Brother Dan, this is a very troubling day that we find ourselves in, and I believe this is just the beginning. Uh, I found it astounding that as President Trump is placed into the White House at this day and time, several main issues stand out prophetically, significant issues that he made important during his campaign. Now, please listen. Three of the main agendas on President Trump's list concern Iran, Israel, and Jerusalem, and not to mention the eradication of ISIS off of the face of the earth, in which he said before the whole world. And as you're aware, and as you, you've declared uh, there in your introduction, the world has gone mad, and he is creating a whole bunch of uh, anti-American people around this world at this particular moment. There are people out riding the streets here in America, let alone the countries that he's banned, and uh, they're out there shouting, death to America, death to Israel. And I'm telling you, something is taking place. And is it any coincidence that he has placed three war generals on his cabinet? One's called Mad Dog. (laughs) All three of these mighty men of ours believe that Iran is a threat, and they have come out in the open and told it like it is. In fact, yesterday's news in Iran, uh, or about Iran, they've been put on alert. And um, I don't know if people are really aware of how significant in prophecy this really is, uh, but I'm 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 uh, really in shock that that most people have ignored a uh, a good segment of prophecy and have written it off as something that's happened in the history, and so therefore they don't look for anything in the future. And I'm more specifically, as you probably know where I'm going here, uh, about the prophecies of Daniel. <clears throat> yeah, Amen. Just in a statement uh, yesterday, brother, by the National Security Advisor General Flynn, he says. We're officially putting Iran on notice after the missile test. Now, uh, if you uh, have been watching the news, I know you have, uh, Iran just shut off another intercontinental ballistic missile, and uh, under the office in violation of U.N. mandate, and, and you know they are just completely out of line, and they're in our face uh, shouting uh, that, uh, you know, we're not going to get away with this, this uh, violation of our nuclear deal. They think that we're violating it, but they're over there doing all kinds of subversive things that are they're hiding uh, their uh, their nuclear program they're putting missiles under mountains and all kinds of things right. but yet it's, it's it's leaking out you know they're putting a, a missile uh, defense system on top of their underground nuclear facility uh, there in one of their um, uh, places in Iran and uh, so General Flynn has spoken out yesterday and here's what he said Recent Iranian actions, including a provocative ballistic missile launch and an attack against a Saudi naval missile, 
conducted by Iran-supported Houthi militants, underscore what should have been clear to the international community all along about Iran's destabilizing behavior across the Middle East. The recent ballistic missile is also in defiance of UN Security Council Resolution 2231, which calls upon Iran not to undertake any activity related to ballistic missiles designed to be capable of delivering nuclear weapons, including launches using ballistic missile technology. There are, just, this, there are just in the latest series of incidents in the past six months in which the Houthi forces that train by Iran and armed by them have struck Emirati and Saudi vessels, have threatened U.S. and allied vessels transiting in the Red Sea. In these and other similar activities, Iran continues to threaten U.S. friends and allies in the region. Iran continues to threaten U.S. friends and allies in the region, and the Obama administration failed to respond adequately to Tehran's malign actions, including weapons transfers, support for terrorism, and other violations of international norms. The Trump administration condemns such actions by Iran that undermine security, prosperity, and stability throughout the Middle East and place American lives at risk. Notice the three words, security, prosperity, and stability. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing that uh, in, in one of the books there in, in the first Thessalonians. It says, when you begin to hear the words peace and security and stability, then know that sudden destruction is coming. Well, President Trump has severely criticized various agreements reached between Iran and the Obama administration, as well as the United Nations, as being weak and ineffective. Instead of being thankful for the United States for these agreements, Iran is now filling in bold, as today we are officially putting Iran on notice. <laughs> we, we, see, there's, you know, I think there's part of the problem. You know, we keep saying Iran. Maybe we should, be, we should go back and rewrite all our Bibles to put Iran in there instead of Persia, and maybe they would understand it. Because Absolutely. this is insane. When I saw them testing missiles yesterday and Obama put—or not Obama, repent— Trump putting them on notice, and let alone with the war generals, we're not. It doesn't look like we're headed to peace, brother. No, brother, we are fulfilling that prophecy in which Prophet Daniel declared would happen 2,500 years ago. It's in our face, and now Iran is being put on notice by the administration of the Trump uh, government. And I'll tell you, this man uh, with his temperament could very well be the person that would say, you know. Um, unlike uh, the Obama administration that that took such a different tactic, I just don't think Trump's going to put up with much. In fact, uh, recent news in in today's time. Let me break in. We got to go. We got to go to break in about thirty seconds, and so let's give your website, and we'll come back. And I promise I'll let you talk more. Okay, brother. Uh, My website is surewordprophecy.org, and in there you'll find a presentation called. Israel, Iran, and the West, uh, the coming prophetic showdown. You might want to check that video out sometime. Israel, Iran, and the West, uh, prophetic showdown. Okay, and and folks, he's got a lot of other good things over there. Go over there and check him out. It's really good. He's got a lot of stuff. But in the meantime, we got to give a break. We're back in three minutes.
right back. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. This is Pastor Dan Catlin, and you're listening to Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour on the American Voice Radio Network. Well, folks, um, 
the economy is really low right now. You know, while people say a Trump presidency can be uh, prosperous, if we don't end up in war, I do believe that it will be prosperous. We just don't know what's going to happen. But we really need to keep this radio program, and we need the work with the homeless and poor goes on and on and on. We really do need your help. Yes, as far as radio goes, I just got a big uh, sack today of uh, books from World Net Daily of speakers that they want me to put on the air. Okay, so we've got some new guests coming for you. Joel Richardson's going to be on next week. But... We've got a, and we've got a great guest on tonight with Steve, and you really should listen to Steve's warning. You need to wake up. But we need to keep this warning message coming to you. So we need support for radio. This radio program doesn't sell anything. We don't sell nothing. It's a miracle that we're on the air because radio programs like ours don't go get along without sponsors or selling products. And we don't sell anything. We don't. Those commercials you hear aren't our commercials. Those are radio station commercials. Those don't sponsor our airtime. And so we're just here because people like you have donated and continue to donate to keep this Watchman message going on out. Folks, the world's in great turmoil. You just need to realize it. <clears throat> and the the poor, they need to be taken care of. Folks, we are responsible to care one for another. We are brothers keepers. All donations, no matter what size, helps. And the father notices all donations that come from where? I can't hear you. From your heart. From your heart, brothers and sisters. If you don't wish to help the poor, then consider airtime. We need your help. You can donate online or mail a check or money order, and you can find all that information at prophecyhour.com. That's prophecyhour.com. And now let's get back with Steve Henderson because he's got some really important things to tell you. So please listen to this, brother. Back to you, Steve. Pastor Dan, again, I commend you on your work uh, that you're doing with the homeless and poor, and I uh, encourage your supporters to send in money at your time of need, and which um, reminds me I need to be sending in a donation myself, brother, so you keep up the good work. Uh, well, I appreciate that, but I really but I really do thank you for that, but I really appreciate what you're doing, and the, the message tonight, because like I say, brother, people are looking for a politically correct message to go out there, and, and you know, one that seems to fit. This message that you're giving tonight, the people need to hear it. Back to you. I believe so. Uh, if only people would get their fingers stuck out of their ears. You know, I don't think they want to hear it. They no. want it to be comfortably past or comfortably future. They never want to be in their day or in this time. They want There's a lot of things they want to get done before the Lord returns. Now, wait a minute. Freeze on that. Freeze on that a minute. I have heard that so many times in my lifetime, and even now, people say, well, I said, once you're ready for you should have come, it'll be glorious. Oh, well, there's some things I've got to do first. What could be more important about oh, having yourself that. transformed and having you should come? I can't, that oh. drives me crazy. And, and see, that's the essence of the message, brother. You know, it's not about the, it's not about the events that, that are transitioning before his return. I think we need to be made aware of them. Because I see, unlike uh, many, I see a great time of trouble coming on the earth, and we better we better be grounded in in in, uh, in the Word of God seriously, uh, and we better have our relationship right, not our religion. And because yeah. we are getting ready to see the winds of of, of war uh, plummet the earth, I believe that. 
and it, it's before our very eyes. And and Yeshua put it this way: He that hears the words of mine and and and, uh, and does them will be likened to a man that set his house on a rock. And when the winds and the streams and storms hit the house, the house will not fall. But if you hear those words and don't do them, then I'll be likened you, man, that built your house on the sand. And when the winds and the storms hit your your house, great will be your fall. And castles made of sand will fall in the sea eventually, uh, an old uh, songwriter used to say. And I believe uh, uh, the Father of Heaven is trying to get our attention. And by the prophetic word, he brings light and understanding to the simple. And so, Brother, I, I, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of people that, and Jesus, Yeshua calls them evil servants. And what's the evil servant saying? My Lord delays his coming. And I see a lot of that right now. So let's move onward uh, back into the uh, the uh, theme of of where I'm heading with this this uh, conflict that I see about to take place. Uh, before we uh, before the uh, commercial break, there we we talked about General Flynn's warning to Iran yesterday. In today's news uh, from the Times of Israel, February second, uh, it says in this caption: Trump, nothing off the table in respond to Iran's missile test. U.S. President issues another warning to Tehran. In this article, brother, it says, President Donald Trump said that nothing is off the table when it came to a response to Iran's controversial test this week of a ballistic missile capable of carrying a nuclear warhead. In addition, House Speaker Paul Ryan jumped on board in this article in support of President Trump by adding, Iran, don't forget, is the biggest state of sponsor of terrorism in the world. Iran writes on their missiles in Farsi, Hebrew and English, death to America, death to Israel, and then test them. So this is not a friendly country that has global peace or national security interests in their minds. And today, in the very uh, essence of response, Iran fires back with a response out of Algeria news on February 2nd today, and it says this, Iran slams provocative U.S. warning over missile tests. Tehran will not yield to useless threats from an inexperienced person over a missile program, Baram Ghassemi of Iranian Foreign Ministry was quoted as saying on Thursday. He said that the claims were baseless, repetitive, and provocative. This is not the first time that an inexperienced person has threatened Iran, he said. The American government will understand that threatening Iran is useless. Brother, for many years now, as you're well aware, and I think back when I first got on your program back in 2013, I shared with you uh, about right. the writings of Daniel, and, and you and I discussed over this program on several occasions. I believe that, that Iran that is front and center in, in, a, in a big battle is the one that is there in Daniel chapter 8, which Gabriel declared was an end-time vision, and specifically said that this ram involved Persia. And in this battle, uh, there's another player, a battle between the West with the emphasis placed on a great horn on its forehead, which will jump into the conflict over there because of some type of aggressive nature of the ram, who is clearly identified as an end-time media Persia ram, who is going out bullying its regional neighbors. And because it's doing that, the goat will be very angry and react harshly at what the Persian ram is doing and make war with it. The goat will come across the surface of the whole earth, 
from the west, from the air, and then stomp on the ram, break it down, leaving it without any money horns. And then the prophet turns to this great horn again and prophesies. Therefore, the Melgrote grew very great, and when he became strong, the horn, the large horn was broken, and in place of it, four notable ones came up toward the four winds of heaven. So in the prophet's vision, he sees a great nation shatter into four horns that go out over the face of the whole earth, affecting the whole world. It was a great nation. After the war with the ram, it became a very great nation. Then, kaboom, the great nation is cut down. Bottom line, brother, at the end of this war, the great nation appears to brag about its mighty power, and then it collapses. And out of all this calamity, it all winds up with a little horn winding up in Jerusalem. And this is the essence of Daniel 8, brother. And I believe this to be truer than ever before. And something we don't consider, and you know what, in our headlines, you know, Trump's agenda, uh, and it, man, there's a lot of t- things taking place uh, around the world in the opinion of what Trump is trying to do in moving the, the embassy of the United States from Tel Aviv down to Jerusalem. And he made that one of his promises in his, uh, yes. his presidential platform. And because he said that, and because he has put a ban on uh, seven or eight Muslim countries from coming in here, he, this guy has done more in, in a week or so than Obama did in eight years. And uh, this whole world is, is reacting in a very um, uh, reactive manner. They're, they're really angry. Uh, they're, they're, I think the United States is, is getting more um, flack from, from the foreign nations right now than they ever have. And and the flag is over not only banning Muslims, but also moving this embassy to Jerusalem. And we understand, brother, that in the end, the prophet Zechariah, another converging prophet who brings this message to this time, it's not just about Iran here, but it all goes from this conflict in Daniel 8, from the great war between the West and Iran, and then when the great nation collapses and it affects the whole world, and the four beasts come up out of the sea, a lion with eagle's wings, a bear, a leopard, and a dreadful and terrible beast, and then out of that has ten horns, and then a little horn comes up and waxes great. And there's a time prophecy on here. It's a time times and a half a time, when you combine all of those prophecies together in Daniel and Revelation and put it all together, you find that at the end, Jerusalem will be the focal point of the world. God is going to bring the attention of the world back to Jerusalem, the place where he placed his name and where it all started when he put Abraham up on that mountain with his son, Isaiah, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Isaac, Isaac, and lifted his knife and then it was afterward that God did provide himself a great sacrifice on that same place outside of the walls and outside the, on the city of Jerusalem. And in that great city, there will be two prophets someday here in the near future who are going to be prophesying against the world in that great city, where, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. And we recognize that when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing where? In the holy place. Now, anyone in that day, when when uh, when 
the prophet was writing that would have known where the holy place or the sanctuary that is spoken of in Daniel chapter 8 would be. Any time in an Old Testament prophecy you find sanctuary or holy place, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness, beautiful for situation, is joy of the whole world, is Mount Zion on the side of the north, the city of the great king. The great king has a great city, and all the attention of the world is turning back to this place called Jerusalem. And I find it very significant that uh, what is going to stir all of this up is something that Iran is doing, and it's out front and center in the news, brother. Uh, here is a recent news article uh, yesterday out of, um, this would be out of the Jerusalem Post, and I lost the my article here. Yeah. Iran prepping spark bomb attacks on Jerusalem. Now, here in the last year or two years, they have even uh, put together a fake um, Al-Aqsa Mosque on, in, in Iran, and they and gathered a bunch of, of army and, and uh, military people to um, come together and attack the mosque in, in anticipation of what they're going to do over in Jerusalem at some point uh, in time. They want to remove and annihilate the Jews out of their land, and they, they are hell-bent on doing it. And this, this particular uh, article says Iran is prepping smart bomb attacks on Jerusalem. This was yesterday's news, and it says – go ahead, brother. Uh, I want to throw uh, – I don't know if this is a proper time for it. I'm going to throw it in because it's right about it, and you can – I don't know if you saw this. Um, from Israeli breaking news, breaking news Israel, it's a really good place for everybody to go. But they just put an article out, and that was on, but it was on January 30th, and it says this. New UN chief, because they just changed the United Nations head of, in the United Nations – believes that the temples were Jewish and blast anti-Semitism. Now, that's a really weird shift, isn't it, mm -hmm. from what they just put out? I, I, I still haven't figured out this one. Back to you. Well, it's very evident. Uh, I, I hold the opinion that the U.N. Uh, is going to be given power, his seat, and great authority at some time. Uh, and uh, I, I liken it to... Um, the beast in, in Revelation 13, the composite beast in Revelation 13 that uh, brings together the whole world under the mandate of a beast uh, that, that enforces a mark. And uh, it's just a, a unity of nations is what it is. The whole world's going to jump on board because it's all the world will wander after the beast. And so evidently the U.N. will have some part in this. How it's all detailed, uh, we can only tell, you know, as a, as a scroll unrolls. But the U.N. Uh, is playing a very significant part at this moment. Uh, just here recently, we understand that, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk uh, against Israel in the United Nations. Uh, here just recently, 70 nations came together and uh, to you know, come against um, Israel. And I think that there's a more, more of an anti-Semitism uh, nature uh, every day that we, we continue on with our our prophetic walk, and uh, it's very amazing to me that, uh, you know, throughout the history of the ages, the, the Jewish people wound up in some pretty bad places, and the Holocaust, you know, was just such a, a tragedy, and out of the tragedy of Holocaust came the United Nations, and they, they wound up 
uh, putting together a resolution that would bring Israel back together um, by the hand of Yahweh himself in 1948. So, but Jerusalem was to be an international city under the mandate of the United Nations. And I find it even more significant, brother, that the quartet, listen, the quartet, um, yeah, why I, why I find uh, that interesting, uh, this group that's been together since 2002 uh, has been uh, commissioned by the United Nations, called the Quartet, and the United States, the United States of Europe, Russia, and the European Union, okay? And they're put together to formulate a strategy to try to bring together a two-state solution uh, between the Palestinians and the Israelis. And what I find really interesting is they've been uh, together, and they meet on a, on a, on a annually basis to try to come to some type of resolution of how they're going to bring a two-state solution to uh, to Israel. And the, the issue, the whole issue there is Jerusalem. Uh, and Palestinians want uh, Jerusalem as their capital, and, of course, the Jews say that, the Jewish people say that uh, Israel is the eternal capital, and they'll never give that up. And that is the focus of the whole conflict, and, and it's the... And the animosity of the Arab world toward uh, Israel, the occupation, they call it, and, one, and they're going to try to remove the occupied occupy territory back and give it back to the Arabs. And this is the whole bottom line of what Iran is uh, focused on, is supporting the Palestinians in their endeavor to get back Jerusalem. And so it's all heading there, brother. And the United Nations is right front and center in the middle of it. And something is going to have to get power. Uh, to, to these these uh, strategies, uh, because remember, in Isaiah, uh, the devil's whole intent, uh, when he said, I will be like the Most High, I will, uh, you know, I will uh, send above the clouds of heaven, and I will sit on a mount of the congregation on the sides of the north. Now, where is that? That is right over there on the place where Yahweh placed his name and he said that would be forever. At some place in time, he's going to go over there and he's going to sit down in a temple showing himself to be God. Amen. And I believe, brother, with the talk of the third temple, with all the vessels being conducted and, and put together as we speak, with the cornerstones cut out, and with the Israeli government getting involved, and, and it's becoming more of an open uh, um, genre to the the, the the cabinet of Israel that maybe we ought to build that third temple in a, in a, in a prayer place for all nations. And it's, all, it's really shocking, uh, a lot of it that's going on, but it's all going back to that little place called Jerusalem. And it's in world news. And it's in the agenda of Donald Trump and the United States. And what is even more interesting is Donald Trump has reaffirmed uh, his friendship with Netanyahu and, and Israel, and, re, and reaffirms his support for Israel. And um, with his idea of going and, and bringing the embassy down to Jerusalem, he's making a statement before the world, and he's endorsing Israel's rightful place in Jerusalem to, for it to be the Jewish capital of, uh, of, of Israel. And uh, and the Arab world is in a frenzy uh, about it. And so, speaking in last uh, Sunday's weekly cabinet, Netanyahu, uh, he asserted that 
you know, Israel's fundamental alliance with the U.S. was tight and getting tighter, and he wanted to make it unequivocally clear that his position has always been, always will be, that the U.S. embassy needs to be in Jerusalem. And uh, Netanyahu said that uh, it is the capital of Israel, and it's proper that not only should the American embassy be here, but all embassies should come here. And I believe that over time, most of them will indeed come here to Jerusalem. But according to the prophets, brother, it says that one day I am going to bring all nations against Jerusalem to battle. Now, how in the world could that happen? I mean, that sounds like science fiction. But as we look in today's world and we look at the focus moving back, to Jerusalem, it's very, very evident that we are looking at the prophets' writings converging in. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.